This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Listening to the Voices of Wrestling podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. X out, go listen to some boring podcast where they're afraid of their own shadow. Okay? Don't listen to Joe Lanza because Joe Lanza's not changing. And Rich Crage. <laughs> Give me a name. I like Who delivers <laughs> this guy in a big spot? Joe, don't yell at me. I like in, the, in the big spot, who delivers better than this guy? <laughs> Stop yelling at me. I agree. Welcome once again to the Voice of Wrestling Flagship Podcast. I'm Rich Krejci alongside a Joe, not Joe Lanza, but the one and only Joe Gagne once again filling in the Joe role. Joe, how are you doing? I'm doing good. I think the question, Rich, is how are you feeling? Uh, I'm feeling pretty terrible still. Uh, I, well, I shouldn't say pretty terrible. I couldn't stand up last week, and that's why uh, a show did not exist last week, because uh, I had a horrible ear. I, I somehow got myself so sick that I got bronchitis, an ear infection, and had a 102 or 103 degree fever at the exact same time. So uh, I wasn't doing well. I'm doing much better now. I still have a little bit of a cough, and you can probably still hear a little bit in me, but uh, I appreciate you asking, but no, I feel much better. G- good enough to s- go on here and talk some wrestling with you, Joe. So, oh, The good news, Rich, is as you get older, you just feel bad all the time. Yeah, so. I guess I'm getting that now. It's just like, well, this is kind of better than it was last week. Whatever. Like, yeah, I'm still exhausted. I- I'm still tired. I get winded all the time. Good enough for me. <laughs> like, yep. Can I drive to work? I can. Good enough. So I also went to work like every single one of those days that I was sick. And like my boss was like, just go home. Like, stop. I'm like, whatever. I feel bad there. I feel bad here. Who cares? Like, so I've become an absolute uh, machine for the corporate world. But uh, wow, that's some Vince McMahon. uh, Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, I don't want anyone to sneeze near me either because it's a sign of weakness. (laughs) So that's. Uh, but Joe, thank you for again for uh, filling in the Joe role here. Of course, Joe Lanza still uh, having some issues with his work. Uh, we'll hopefully get that resolved in the next few weeks. But uh, for the time yeah, being, his, we'll uh, have his, some guests on there. So his uh, secret suspension should be up soon. Yeah. yeah, yeah oh wait. Yeah. Oh no. Oops, yeah. So sorry. Are we at, over, are we at ninety Edit days yet? No, we're not quite <laughs> at ninety days. We're getting there. But yeah, we've had people be like, "Was well, he arrested? Is he in jail?" It's like he's fine. Like I, I promise you, he's fine. He's just you know very busy at work. I, I, I assure you that is the actual reason. Like like people think that it's Joe, so it has to be some like off the wall wild thing like he got picked up by some like Mexican cartel and some like prostitution ring like no he's just working a lot and like that exists like that is a, a thing that happens but it is Joe Lanza and there is the the aura of the king of banter so everybody thinks it has to be something big and boisterous so uh, if it makes you feel better and to think that he got suspended or whatever then okay yeah I, I suspend because on this if, if, if we're nothing on Voices Wrestling uh, we run a tight ship here and if you get out of line we suspend you uh, and yeah. for some reason after four years this is the time that I suspended Joe Lanza for, you know what I mean? Like, like told Joe, hey Joe, you know this is getting ridiculous here. You've uh, you've really crossed the line on this one. So yeah. he also doesn't he he also doesn't want to have fire pro talk like we talked last week. So we got uh, a little we got a little too nerdy for him, I think. So he's now trying to distance himself from us. But uh, I, I do want to talk a little bit about that. Uh, we uh, you know two weeks ago uh, talked about the big fire pro press conference that was coming and and all of our anticipation levels of oh what are we going to find out? What are we going to know? We're going to know a release date. We'll know this and. And nothing really happened at this thing. They basically said, "Yeah, you can upload MP3s on PC," and that was it, right? That's essentially it. Yeah, yeah nothing. Damn it. Nothing. I mean, we saw gameplay. The good news is, it does appear to be completely a classic Fire Pro game. Uh, we learned about MP3s as blood on the map, minor details like that. There's going to be uh, about a hundred new moves, which I mean, <laughs> it's been 12 years since the last game. They have a lot of ground to make up, so that might be a little, a little concerning because. 
when you see people like Kushida just add a new move to their arsenal, you would like to add that to your create a wrestler, and you end up substituting like a pile driver, and it's just not the same. Yeah, so unfortunately not a whole lot of news on the Fire Pro front. We were uh, looking forward to having a big, exciting announcement of release date or even the beta's open or all that stuff. It didn't really quite happen, but uh, soon, I'm sure. I mean, it's got to come pretty soon, but uh, it'll come in, in, in time. So uh, we'll not, not, unfortunately can't talk anything more about Fire Pro, but that's fine. We've got plenty of other stuff to cover uh, on this week's show. We're going to talk about the best of the Super Junior Finals, Kushida versus Will Ospreay, a match that uh, needs to be seen and, and definitely an important match in the year of New Japan and, and maybe the year of wrestling in general. Uh, we'll preview the upcoming uh, New Japan uh, Dominion show. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about uh, WWE Extreme Rules from this last Sunday, and then some uh, little topics here and there. We're going to talk about Flow Slam's price increase. happened a few weeks ago, but uh, Joe, I know you had some strong thoughts about that. Uh, and then we had talked about it a little bit two weeks ago, but it was Kento Miyahara and Tsuji Ishikawa, uh, the big All Japan Triple Crown match, while uh, the match emerged so people could kind of watch it and see it finally. So we'll talk a little bit about that, our thoughts on the match, our thought on the title switch, and all of that. I do want to let you know, though, uh, Joe and everybody that this episode of the Voice Wrestling Podcast is sponsored by our good friends at ZipRecruiter. And Joe, you know whether it's WWE, New Japan Pro Wrestling, or the Indies that the key to success is a strong roster and great promoters know that having the right wrestlers comes from scouting all the right places. Finding great talent for your business isn't any different and you can't find the, je- the best candidates by posting your job on just one site. You need to post it on all the top job sites and you can do that now with ZipRecruiter. At ZipRecruiter.com, you can post your job to 100-plus job sites with one click. Then their powerful technology efficiently matches the right people to your position. Over 80% of the jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in just 24 hours. No more juggling emails. No more annoying calls to your office. Simply screen, rate, and manage all candidates in one place with ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use dashboard. Today, our listeners can start forming their own winning team by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash VOW and trying ZipRecruiter for free. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash VOW. You can try ZipRecruiter for free and start forming your winning roster today. Try it for free today. ZipRecruiter.com slash VOW. Okay. What do you want to start with here? we got quite a bit here. I, I'm thinking the best of Super Junior Finals, but you are a guest, so, you know, wh- what does the guest want to do? You know, what, is, what does the guest want the first course to be? It's always his choice, so go ahead. Now let's dive right into the, uh, the best of Super Juniors. <coughs> okay, yeah, so we obviously had the finals on, um, like, kind of what day it was last week. The whole last week is a blur for me. Was it Saturday? Uh, like, I, I spent the entire week in bed, so I, I don't was... honestly remember days... Yes, it was Saturday. Saturday morning. Okay, so Saturday morning, uh, the best of the Super Junior Finals. Um, I, I watched a little bit of the undercard, but I think the match that we really want to talk about, I don't know that we necessarily have to break down the entire undercard. I'll give you an opportunity to talk a little bit, because I know you watched a little bit more of the undercard than I did. But uh, the match that needs to be talked about, and, and really needs to be seen by everybody, I think, is Kushida versus Will Ospreay. That was the best of the Super Junior Finals. Uh, Joe, I don't know your thoughts on this. We actually haven't discussed this. What did you think of this match? Because I thought it was... One of the best matches of the entire year. I don't know what's going to be my number one because I think Okada and Omega kind of have that locked down. But when it was all said and done, I went, you know, that might be number two. And I don't know that it's going to be knocked off anytime soon. I adored this match. I just absolutely loved it. What did you think? No, Yeah, this match was tremendous. Uh, just uh, probably top five for me uh, this year behind Okada, Omega, and uh, probably the Okada Shibata match. Probably that three four slot, I could say comfortably. I was uh, actually watched this live, thankfully, unspoiled. One of the benefits of being an adult and not being able to sleep in is you get up in time to watch <laughs> Japanese Pro Wrestling live. And uh, I got to watch this match live, unspoiled. Uh, just super. For, I mean, for a while, I'm like, oh, this is real good. But I don't think it's the best of the tournament. I think I liked Taguchi um, uh, Kushida better. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Once, he, once he hit the 
shooting star press while Kushida was on the ropes, which is kind of uh, it's just crazy athleticism. I think it's getting <laughs> that actually happened. The by the way, in case you're wondering, yes, that happened. Somebody was draped over the ropes, and somebody did a shooting star press into them. So yes, and right right <laughs> after that was the Rana on the apron. <laughs> right, and then followed up with a Hurricane Rana on the apron, a reverse Hurricane Rana on yes. the apron. It's just absolutely nuts, and I think that's the best way to describe this match is they just kept escalating it, escalating it, escalating it, and it just felt different. And, and one of the things I loved about this match, and and, and I thought Will Ospreay had a, a great performance, like one of Will Ospreay's, you know, top to bottom best performances ever, but I left this match going, oh my god, Kushida is just on another level, because he comes into this match, you know, obviously focused, he really wants this title shot, you know, after Hiromu, you know, embarrasses him a few weeks ago, or a few months ago, rather. Uh, he wants to do everything in the world to win this. He can't possibly lose this match. Osprey comes in a little cocky. You know, I won last year. I'd like to win again. But he doesn't have the same determination that a Kushida has. And Kushida makes that known from, like, the second the bell starts. Everything that Kushida does was a little bit more aggressive, a little bit more uh, a, a powerful, and everything that he did felt like he just really, really wanted this. But then you get a big period in the middle of the match where Osprey's kind of playing with him, playing around with him, doing some stuff or whatever, and Kushida just will not give up. And that's that's kind of the idea that I had this entire time, is Osprey threw everything at him, and Kushida just kept saying, I am not going to die, I'm not giving up, and I'm not losing this match. And, like, even when he kicked out of pinfalls, he would slap the mat. Like, Kushida knew that, like, this dude had him in speed. This dude had him in in, in, in athleticism. This guy might have had him on, on any other day, but Kushida was just not going to lose this match at any point. And I thought that was just great in the closing stretch, too, because my favorite spot of the entire match, you know, aside from the shooting star press on the ropes and, and the reverse Rana was, uh, they were doing kind of a slap sequence, and Osprey, I, I think, I forgot exactly what set up this, but but Osprey, I think, hit a punch on Kushida, and Kushida just reared back and just decked this dude, and fall, and, and Osprey just falls down, and Kushida gets, like, this weird, like, reaction from the crowd, because they're like, oh my god, that was really aggressive, Kushida, but Kushida doesn't give a shit, he's like, I don't really get, I, I don't care what I'm supposed to do, I don't care what's kosher, I want to win this goddamn match, and I thought that was a moment where the whole match just took an entirely different feel, because he just decks this guy, and, and, and says, like, no, 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 I don't care what the rules are, I am winning this match, whether it come hell or high water, and then does, you know, his, his new finisher, the kind of the, uh, how would you describe it? They, I know they've been calling it, like, a small package driver, like a fisherman driver, I forgot, he calls it Back to the Future, correct? Yes, he does. Because, of course, right. you know, it, it, the most original name for Kushida, but it's essentially like a cradle, small package driver, whatever, well, he does that from the top rope, and it's just, it just looks sick, and it just looks awesome, and it's just another example of Kushida going, yeah, I could just hit him in the middle of the ring with this. But why bother? I'm going to go to the top rope, and I'm going to hit it with him with a little bit of extra purpose to get that big win. But I thought Kushida was just incredible this entire match. I, th- I think people like look at Harumu Takahashi as the shiny new toy in the junior division, and you kind of forget Kushida's one of the best wrestlers in the world, and he certainly proved that here tonight. And I like this. I mean, they threw everything at each other. Uh, Osprey th- pulled out the Essex Destroyer. He kicked Kushida in the head, like, square, like, ten times in a oh row. Oh, my God, yeah, that one in the apron, too. There's a gif of it going around as well, and it's just, like, yeah. it's sickening <laughs> to look at it, but... Kushida just punched him square in the head. He did the small package driver off the top rope and another one. Just, uh, yeah, it was a superlative match. Yeah, it, it, the result, did you have any issues with the result of Kushida winning, or, or is that, I, you think, the right move? Uh, I thought it would have been better if Osprey finally got his big win over Kushida. It would have been a nice say gesture, but doing something with Osprey after having him kind of in the doldrums for a lot of the year, I think we could have had uh, a Takahashi, Kushida, I mean, a Osprey match for the title. I think holding off Kushida probably until the Dome, kind of his redemption story, I think would have worked better, but I don't know what they're going to do here at Dominion. You could have Kushida lose again and have to climb his way up one more time, or 
I feel if Takahashi loses now, it's too soon, but, I, you know, would it be the worst thing? I mean, probably not. Yeah, well, we'll talk about that a little bit when we preview Dominion, but yeah, I was a little conflicted with this finish here, because uh, when it was all said and done, I was like, man, how do you not root for someone like Kushida, a guy who, you know, this redemption story that he's trying to tell after being embarrassed or whatever, he gives it his all in this match, he wins, you know, he's weeping, you got guys like Jushin Thunder Liger giving their thumbs up or whatever, it felt like a really cool moment in that sense, but the flip side of it was, it was like, man, like, Will Ospreay's right there, and he's like an international superstar, and, like, the clock's ticking on him, and it, it, it continues to be a very maddening thing for, for, for a lot of us here at Voices Wrestling, because you have Will Ospreay here, he's signed to a contract, and it's just like, they just don't really know what to do with this guy, because it's so weird, because last year, he comes out like a ball of fire, they sign him to this contract, he wins his best of the Super Juniors, you know, he, he, he makes a great run, uh, it, it's just like, everybody, he's just getting all this stuff at once, and everyone's like, oh my god, they're, you're you know, way pushing Osprey. They're all in on Osprey, and now we're a year later, and they just haven't done anything with him since then. And, and you know, people will talk about all the time of, oh well, you know, he, they know he's going to leave when his contract's up. They, you know, oh well, who cares? He's unreliable because he gets hurt, or his style's unreliable, or whatever. I don't care about any of that because you've had this guy for two years now, signed to a contract. You knew the exact point at when he was going to leave your company, and you've had all this opportunity and all this time to do stuff with him, and you really haven't. And it's just like. This guy's an international superstar, and he's just, unfortunately, I hate to say it, but he's just a guy on the New Japan roster, and, and I don't know that that's a good idea for them, because I think it's, it's you got this guy, and he's here, and like when that contract's up, he might go, and he might never come back, and it's like, well, what you just had this opportunity with this guy for two years, and did absolutely nothing, so I'm a little frustrated in that standpoint. I'm okay with Kushida winning, but at the end of the day, I'm looking at the other ring, and I'm looking at Osprey and going, man, like time's running out for this guy like when are you going to do something with him and when are you going to kind of push him to the next level when are you going to maybe give him a run with the title when are you going to at least have him in big time matches because he really hasn't done much of that so far in this new japan run yeah and i think mr lanza uh, came out of his <laughs> black hole to uh, to make the point that okay maybe he's leaving you know maybe he's leaving maybe he's gone as soon as his contract is up well if you don't want to do anything with him, why did you sign him to begin with? If right, then, yeah, if, guy, if the only thing like, you sign him for is to go, oh, well, you're going to be gone when this contract's over, like, then don't sign the contract. Like, Yeah, it's, it just seems a waste. It, well, in, in sports leagues, you wouldn't sign a guy to a three-year deal and be like, oh, jeez, this guy's leaving for free agency tomorrow. Like, forget <laughs> it. Why even bother playing? We'll put him on the trade block. Like, you wouldn't do that. You would say, look, okay, we got this guy for three years. Here's our window. Here's our window with this guy. Let's go nuts. Let's let's do this. And I've always made the references to uh, like a, a guy like a Gabe Sapolsky, who I think does the best job when he knows that a wrestler is leaving. Or this guy goes, hey, in six months, I'm out for WWE. Gabe Sapolsky goes nuts with that guy and says, okay, this is our story for the next six months. This is what we're going to do. I mean, the Summer of Punk is one of the fantastic stories. He knew that the guy was out the door. That was the story is that Punk is, has one foot out of the door. He didn't go, ah, whatever, go put him on the undercards. Who cares? He's got one foot out of the door. He goes, no, 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 let's make this guy a fucking megastar. And then what we're going to do is make this a megastar, and then we're going to generate all the heat when he leaves onto somebody else. We're going to make whoever does beat him that much more important. And you could do that with Osprey. You could build up Osprey for years and then have Hiromu or whatever decimate him and take him out of the and, and and you never hear from Osprey again. Hiromu just beats him up so bad or whatever that you never hear from Osprey again because he's out, he's leaving, he goes to WWE, he goes to whatever. Then you got that built-in story there where he chased this guy off. But now there's going to be a thing where, where, where Osprey, a lot like Mascara Dorada, is just going to be gone one day. It's just going to be poof, he's gone, and it's going to be like, oh yeah, I remember that guy. Oh yeah, Will Osprey. Oh, that was cool when he had a run in Japan. And then it's over, and it's done with. So it's just, that's a little frustrating in that sense. In this particular match, I couldn't be too upset that Kushida won, but at the end of the day, I'm still looking at that other side of the ring and going, man, 
the time is running out with this guy. Like, do something. You gotta do something. And then we look at this Dominion card, and we'll talk a little bit about it again. He's not even on the Dominion card. And it's just like, all right, what what are we doing here? Like, why is this guy signed to a contract then? Yeah, I, I mean, not that we really know, but do you get the sense he's, uh, he would be out the door when his contract is up. Um, I don't, I don't know that. Yeah, I don't know if I know that. Uh, you know, hundred percent. Uh, but you know, if I'm New Japan and I'm thinking that that might be the possibility, that's all the more reason to use him over these next two years. You know what I mean? Like that's all the more reason to to really do something. And if you don't think that he's out the door, if you think that he's you know here to stay or whatever, then there you go. Then build up this guy, make him a junior star or whatever. It's just there's there's no real argument that I can hear where it'd be like, well, why bother? Like, because that's the thing you get from a lot of people. It's like, oh, who cares? Like, when it's all said and done, he's going to leave or whatever. And But like you're saying, though, I don't know if there's any indication that Will Ospreay's got one foot out the door and he's going to WWE or whatever. I think he's got some maturity issues he has to deal with, and I think he might be a guy like a Zack Sabre Jr., uh, like the Young Bucks, like uh, a few of these other guys that might actually be fine just being an independent wrestler. He might be able to do enough on his own and make enough money bouncing between places that he doesn't necessarily need WWE in the same sense that some wrestlers do, that some older wrestlers do. I mean, the guy's still a baby. He can have a little fun through his 30s, and then when he's 31, sign with WWE if he really wants to. You know what I mean? Like, And that's still, that's almost, you know, eight years away, that, that, that you know, that, that age 30 year or whatever. So I think there's just so much more they could be doing with him that they're just really not. But yeah, I don't know that I have any indication that he's one foot out the door. Do you, do you sense that he's got, you know, his next move set and ready to go? Well, given how New Japan booked him, I'm not sure if that makes me inclined to, <laughs> to hang out more. <coughs> yeah, it's... it's And that's... Yeah, again, that's the other issue, too. If Even if he wasn't... You know, if he didn't have one foot out the door, if I'm him, I'm probably not signing another deal. Like, you can absolutely use me uh, moving forward, but I don't know that I want to sign a deal with you. Like, you had me for two years, and, and you didn't really do anything. And I don't know. I don't sense that Osprey is frustrated. I don't sense that he's annoyed or whatever. He might be enjoying the hell out of what he's doing, but... Uh, from my standpoint, of, of a fan standpoint, I look at this international superstar that you have under contract, that you have, that's yours, that's New Japan property, and he's just kind of a guy. But he gets huge reactions, too. The crowd loves him. On this match, they were rooting for Osprey. They wanted Osprey to win over Kushida, which is, is nuts, given that you, you know Kushida is who he is. But you know, they, you know know he's leaving the arena when it's all said and done, you know, Osprey. And they're chanting, ah, spray, ah, spray. The entire arena is going nuts for him, and it's like... There you go, New Japan. Like, there it is. Like, that, that, there, you know, proof positive that this guy is over, that people love this guy, that they want something to happen with him, and they just, they don't. It's just, he's just a guy, and it's really weird and really frustrating and in a lot of ways confusing because this is a company that doesn't do this a whole lot. But for whatever reason, for, I, I'm getting visions of Masquerade Dorada again, which is, is nuts. He was another guy that's like, dude, you have this guy under contract. Like, he's awesome. He, and he has a title, too. Like, use that title. Use him. And they just never did. But uh, we're finding out that WWE isn't really using him either. So I don't know what Masquerade does. Like, <laughs> he must sleep with, like, every executive's wife in, like, the first week that he's in a company. And they're just like, God damn, well, we're not going to use this guy ever again. Because they just, nobody ever wants to use him. And I, I don't I don't get it, so. Yeah, that's uh, a fairly stupefying <laughs> turn of events. <clears throat> but let's uh, let's get into this Dominion show uh, coming up uh, conveniently enough on six eleven because the name of the show is Dominion six eleven in Osaka Joe Hall and I will uh, let you take a few guesses as to where the show is taking place. Uh, but if you guess Osaka Joe Hall, you are correct. So it is taking place this Dominion show on six eleven in Osaka Joe Hall. So I like how they uh, make sure you know uh, well and good what's going on. But uh, pretty deep, really fun, really interesting card here. Uh, I'm curious on your thoughts though because I've seen a little bit of complaints in terms of rematches, but. Um, Let's kind of break this down here a little bit. Uh, 
we don't have to get into the dark match here. We got David Finley, uh, Umino, uh, Oka, uh, Kawada, Kitamura, and, and Yagi. It's uh, so a few of the new young lions in this match, and David Finley. Who, <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, like, I don't know how I feel about that. Like, yeah, David. Like, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, David's now like three generations of young lions like coming in, and he's still kind of like a guy that hangs with the young lions, and it's. Uh, yeah, I don't know what to do with old David Finley these days. Like, I love the guy, but it's like, I, what do you, where do you go with him? What are you doing? Like, he's obviously not going on excursion, I guess. Uh, they obviously don't see him as being anything more than, than, I guess, a lower card guy. But like, he's got to be more than like guy that wrestles with like nineteen year old young lions, right? Yeah, it's, I mean, it seemed he had some kind of upward trajectory. He had the team with Ricochet. He was a never six man champion, and then that just kind of fizzled out. He wasn't in this year's Super Juniors. He's just, I don't know, he's just kind of hanging around. Like, they don't know what to do with him, and I'm not sure I would know either. <laughs> Should be his gimmick, just hanging around. Like, hanging around. I'm definitely just hanging around, like, just enjoying the sight. So, uh, yeah, so that's our dark match opener. Um, Eight-man tag match is, I think, our, our, our legit opener for Dominion. Uh, it's Tenzan, Jushin Thunder Liger, Nakanishi, and Kojima versus Tiger Mask, Tiger Mask W, Togi Makabe, and Yuji Nagata. Joe, I'm going to ask you a few questions here. Um, thoughts on Jushin Liger just going back to being a guy after having just a really fun uh, Best of Super Juniors run. Obviously not a successful Super Juniors run, but one that culminated in you know standing ovations and praise and, and people bowing down before him, and now he's back to just being a guy on the card. Does that kind of feel weird to you, or is that pretty normal or part for the course for, for you know post-Juniors tournament? No, I mean, given where he, how he finished, uh, you know, it's hard to be like, well, he clearly deserves a title shot at this point. Um, no, I, I mean, given his age, his spot on the card, I, I think it's fine. Uh, it's You know, he's Jushin Liger. He'll always be over. He'll always put in a good performance. So, you know, if he's hanging out in the, the opening match, I think that's fine. Uh, and now I'm going to ask you to uh, uh, please tell me what's going on in Kota Ibushi slash Tiger Mask W's head. Because, uh, yeah, this is going to be a little tough. So I want you to do it in a, in a few minutes if you can. But um, what the hell is what? So this guy, you know, is is a prized part of New Japan Pro Wrestling, a prize, you know, upper mid card main event or whatever. Um, gets burnt out from doing the dual schedule with that in DDT. Uh, decides that he's gonna, you know, have some fun, <laughs> like you know, the Kodabushi, you know, training academy or whatever the hell that thing was called. Uh, he tells NXT to go blow up, you know, I, fuck you guys, I don't really give a shit, I'm not doing that either. Uh, I'll come for the Cruiserweight Classic, I'll sit in the front row, but nah, I'm, I'm good, I don't really want to do that. Goes to Big Japan, dives off some balconies, goes, goes to DDT, you know, does, you know, DDT Kodobushi things. And then comes back to New Japan as Tiger Mask W, and now apparently is just perfectly content, like, being on the undercard and just being in random, meaningless, multi-man tag matches as Tiger Mask W. I cannot understand this man. I'm guessing Guts World isn't running that day, so he's like, "All right, I'll be on this. I'll be on this big New Japan show." It's I mean, just like I, it's so weird. Yeah, I mean, God, I remember one of the first times I saw him was on an occupation of the Indies, maybe ten years ago. I think he had a match in like the Japanese equivalent of a Sam Goodies. And he, was, <laughs> he was like wearing an apron and wrestled some dude. So I mean, clearly, he is someone who has his own individual thoughts on what wrestling success is. And hey, if he wants to pop in every now and then as Tiger Mask W instead of being a main eventer, if he's having fun, then hey, more power to him. Yeah, it's just, it, it, it's hard to get in the headspace of that too, but I, I think, it, to be fair, that's him, and if he's happy doing it, which he appears to be, I mean, it's not like he's sulking or he wouldn't do this. I mean, that, he, he has the leverage to go, nah, I don't really want to do this, I'm got, I'm good, but yeah, it's just really interesting that this guy would give up all that, but yeah, like you said, he's he's, he's kind of got his own mind or whatever, and, and maybe to him, this is not really the same pressure. It's just kind of cool to jump in here, have a little bit of fun, be Tiger Mask W, but it's just like, from the, the, the standpoint of 
you know, myself as a fan too. And we saw that moment where Tiger Mask W versus Okada. It's like, oh, here we go. Koda's back. And it's just like, oh, Koda's not back. He's back doing like undercard stuff. And he's back being like Tiger Mask W. It's just, it's so weird to get in that headspace of, of, of what he's going through and what his mind's going of, of just saying, hey, no, I'm, I'm good just kind of being an undercard guy. I'm good just being a Tiger Mask. But uh, I do wonder though that if you have this guy, if it's worth maybe doing a little bit more, maybe if he doesn't want to be in main events, if that's kind of worrisome to him. Maybe like a, a tag title run for the Tiger Masks or something like that. Just do something because it just seems such a waste to be like, God damn, that's Kota Bushi. And he's just like in the opener as one of eight guys. Like, and the rest of the dudes are like old as hell. And it's just like, Kota Bushi, <laughs> like, what are you doing, man? Like, I don't know. I'm, I, I would just think, you know, I'm glad he's there. And that's, that's, you know, yeah, one way or another. If he yeah. shows up, then great. Everything else is great. <laughs> Oh, that's very unique here. But uh, we'll move on to uh, a, a very unique match. Speaking of unique, a uh, gauntlet match for the Never Openweight Six-Man Tag Team Championships because they have too many guys to put on this show, so we're going gauntlet style like we did at Wrestle Kingdom. So you got the Los Ingobernables team of Bushi, Evil, and Sonata defending the Never Openweight titles against a Bullet Club team of Bad Luck Folly, Hangman Page, Yujiro Takahashi, a Chaos team of Tomohiro Ishii, Toru Yano, and Yoshihashi, a Suzuki Gun team of Taiichi, Kanemoro, Zack Sabre Jr., and then, of course, Taguchi Japan, Juice Robinson, Ricochet, and Ryusuke Taguchi. Joe, do you have any read on this match and who the hell is walking out with the title? Well, they're probably going to change because that's... Gasp! That's how <laughs> really? <laughs> hot news. Hot take here by Joe Gagne on the... Yeah, I'm... I'm pretty much over these six-man tag titles. It was cute for a couple months, but given no one can hold on to them, you know, these aren't producing, like, superlative matches. Uh, I mean, great, everyone gets on the card. Uh, you know, I think <laughs> Zack Sabre along with Kanemaru and Taichi are, uh, the, that's some that's some war-level shit going on right there. Yeah, that's one that but, we're going to look uh, back in, like, 15 years and be like, my God, Taichi and Zack Sabre Jr., what, what an yeah. interesting thing. Like, we'll be on this podcast going, like, oh, Zack Sabre Jr. tagged with Kanemura and Taichi? Like, what the hell? What was going on there? Like, um, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go for the boldest pick and say the champs retain. Okay, ooh, wow, wow, that is the boldest that's of bold here. On the, right yeah, that is, that is definitely they survived the gauntlet. Yeah, it's, um, I'm kind of over these titles, too. And, and I thought that was a fun little thing when it first started. I thought it was kind of cute or whatever. But... If nobody's going to have the titles for more than, like, a few months and no one's going to have any successful defenses, what's the point, really? And I advocated that a few weeks ago. Of like, make Taguchi Japan. Like, have those dudes really want this title. Let those dudes hold the titles for a while. Let them be very important to Ryusuke Taguchi. Let them be important to a guy like a Ricochet. Let them be important to even a guy like a Juice Robinson. Let those guys have the titles for a long time and establish that these guys are kind of the, the, the toast of the division. And I wrote all that, and then, like, a, you know, two days later, they lost into... In Gobernables, and on this match, they're probably going to lose him back to Taguchi Japan, or Chaos is going to win, or so we're at the point now where, uh, similar to the junior titles uh, a few years ago, where it's like any match, it's just like yeah, whoever, I don't care who's going to win, and like the second you do that, you've kind of lost the the purpose of the title a little bit. If if you go in and go ah, uh, Suzuki who cares? And like it doesn't matter. Like you could be just as right and just 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 as justified in that pick versus me saying Chaos. And there's no reason that Chaos should win. There's no reason for Suzuki Gun to win. There's no reason for Bullet Club to win. But it doesn't matter. Anybody can win. Anybody can lose. And it's just like when at the end of the day, like you're saying, the matches aren't producing anything special. So it's kind of become skippable for me. And I think that's a big part of um, where where I'm kind of at with these titles. So it, it, it's very disappointing. But uh, 
Uh, the beat goes on with the old uh, Never Openweight titles. We'll move on here to the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team titles. Rapungi Vice, Brett and Rocky Romero defending their titles against the Young Bucks. Joe, any chance that Rapungi Vice retains here or the Young Bucks walking into uh, the New Japan G1 specials in Los Angeles as tag titles? I'm, I'm guessing they're going to walk in. Yeah, yeah that's, that seems pretty pretty clear to me. Yeah, I feel bad for Rapungi Vice because it's like everybody's guessing the Young Bucks. Like, I, I mean, I think there's almost a hundred percent chance the Young Bucks win here, right? Like, is that too lofty to say a hundred? Because I feel like uh, it's a hundred. Like, yeah, I know it's probably. I, I would can I say ninety five then? Like, yeah, can I give I a little I, bit yeah. of leeway? You like, get, you gotta leave a, a sliver of hope there. I for, guess, uh, but yeah, the, the sliver is very small because yeah, I think yeah. the Bucks are winning here and. Uh, it'll be fun because the Young Bucks haven't really done a whole lot in New Japan this year, so it'll be cool to kind of see them uh, reestablish themselves a little bit. But yeah, their, their title win is all about uh, New Japan coming to LA uh, in July, and I think those guys walking out with the titles is absolutely the optics they want, or them going to press conferences, you know, holding those titles is absolutely something that they want. So uh, yeah, I think it's, it, it's a mortal lock almost that the Young Bucks uh, do get the win here. But looking forward to the match, though, because these guys do put together some great matches, and, and, and Rapongi Vice over the last uh, year have really kind of delivered uh, in ring, so I'm looking forward to seeing what they can do here. i move on to the IWGP Tag Team titles, so the uh, the big titles here. Uh, War Machine Hanson and Ray Rowe defending against the Gorillas of Destiny, obviously Tamatanga and Tonga Rao. Uh, Joe, who do you have emerging here? Do you have the Gorillas of Destiny knocking off War Machine, or do you have War Machine uh, picking up yet another win over the Gorillas of Destiny? Uh, I thought it was interesting on... Uh, I remember uh, one of the Super Juniors in just a kind of random six-man. They had one of the Gorillas of Destiny get pinned in a match where they teamed with Yujiro, who you, you would think would drop the fall quite easily, which I thought was odd. But as for this, I I hope War Machine, uh, I'm liking them as tag champs. I think they, they have a lot more to grow. I have a feeling it's going back to the Gorillas of Destiny, though. They might do an extra hard push for the Bullet Club going into the the, uh, the Long Beach shows. I, I feel that's where that's going to end up. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm kind of conflicted on this because I like the idea of War Machine just kind of winning again. But like, you look at the r- records and you look at Girls of Destiny have not really done well against War Machine. They haven't really picked up a win against them. They've only wrestled twice in matches. I know there was one uh, straight up tag match that War Machine won, uh, and then there was a triple threat match that War Machine won that, that Girls of Destiny uh, lost in. So you look at that and you go, okay, given the parody booking, given some of the fifty fifty that that New Japan likes to do, you mentioned the you know the idea of kind of ramping out the Bullet Club as much as you can. All signs point to Girls of Destiny. But, man, War Machine is just so perfect in this role and so perfect as the tag champions that I would love to see them win. So I'm, I kind of have this weird thing where my my prediction is that the Gorillas of Destiny win, but my heart wants War Machine to win. and my, I really want War Machine to retain and, and, and really solidify these titles a little bit. But if I'm making a pick and if I'm a betting man or whatever, I go Gorillas of Destiny. But in my mind, I would do War Machine. So that, that's um, what we got there. In terms of the next match here, we got... Old singles match for Cody. Cody R with yet another singles match in New Japan. This time against Big Mike, Michael Elgin. So, Joe, I'll ask you the big question. Does Cody take the fall? Uh, no. Okay, I think yeah, uh, <laughs> I, he's probably good. He hasn't lost yet. I don't think this is the chance. Uh, <laughs> it's another. It's a loss for Elgin, but things can reset during the G1. It's, he kind of gets a, a clean slate there. He hasn't been around in a while. I'm, who knows what they're going to do with Cody and the, you know, in the on the Long Beach shows, you know, is he going to be that, uh, that IWGP US champion? Um, I don't know, but I, I just got oh, to say. Oh, God. Oh, God. I yeah. didn't think of that. Oh, no. Damn it, Joe. You just put me in a terrible mood. <laughs> Damn it. 
No, they can't. No, <laughs> not Kobe. Nah, I mean, they probably won't because I'm guessing he'll be the Ring of Honor champion by the time. Yeah, hopefully Ring of Honor will save around. us on here and, and give him mm. the title first. But uh, yeah, another <sighs> Cody man. If Cody disappeared from New Japan tomorrow and they never mentioned him again, you never saw him again. Would you know? How long would it take you to notice? Oh God, um, I don't know if I ever really would. <laughs> That's, I feel like it would be like years. I'm like, oh yeah, Cody was in New Japan. That was kind of cool, right? Like. Just completely out of the bloodstream. Uh, for new, it, it seems so weird when he's lumped into these random ass singles matches. And the problem too that I have with, with these is, is singles matches are so few and far between in New Japan. And this dude's had three this year, and they're like random ones. You know what I mean? They're always against American workers. They're always against you know English speaking workers, whether it's uh, Jay White or uh, David Finley or now in this case Michael Elgin. They're always kind of the same thing. And you know Cody's going to win. It's like again like what's the benefit here what are we doing here with Cody does it really matter to anybody that he's here does it really matter to anybody that he's wrestling a singles match does it really matter to anybody what happens with Cody it's just like the Cody New Japan run I, I, I can't wait for it to be over because it's just it just takes up space and it's just a waste of a singles match in my mind I with that being said I'm looking forward to this because it is Michael Elgin and you know that um He's got a certain level that he's going to want to work to, and and Cody, who can always kind of reach, you know, the peak of a Cody match is is is, is kind of there's a ceiling to everything that he does. But if there's anybody that can help him break that ceiling, if there's anybody that can make it work, I feel like a Michael Elgin is a good guy to do that. But it's still Cody, and he just kind of has a way of dragging everybody. Not to anything bad, not to anything good, just fine. It's just Cody. It's just fine. You know. Yeah, we're going to do a New Japan draft in uh, 10 years, and someone's going to pick Cody. There's going to be a big fight arguing whether he was ever in New Japan, so... Right, yeah. No, I don't think he... Oh, he was in three singles matches. It's got to pick him. Like, Yeah, and then like people will also try to remember if he was any good or whatever, and maybe like <laughs> people will come up with, like, no, I think he was pretty good, actually. Like, he was he was solid. Like, that match against Michael Elgin was good. You know what I mean? Like, So they'll go back and they'll look at those old singles matches. But yeah, this run has just been... Because I think if you ask any New Japan fan that if he disappeared tomorrow how long it would take them to notice. I think many of them would have the same answer to you, where I don't know that I would ever notice. I think it would be years before somebody would have to mention, hey, remember when Cody was in New Japan? They're like, oh, yeah, I haven't seen Cody in New Japan for a while. Like, it's just the weirdest push I've... or the weirdest kind of debut push thing I've ever seen. And, like, this dude has more singles matches than I think anybody else. You know, obviously the G1 will change that, but... but up to this point in the year, I think I, I, I honestly think he's had more singles matches or just as many singles matches as an Okada or an Omega or whatever. It's just it, it's completely inexplicable uh, for Cody, but uh, it is what it is. So let's move on to better parts of the show. Uh, IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship, Hiromu Takahashi versus Kushida. And you mentioned a little bit in our uh, Best of the Super Juniors discussion. Uh, for Kushida, it seems too early for him to win the title back. seems a little too early for Hiromu to lose the title. In your mind, if you, had a, if you were a betting man, gun to your head type thing, do you pick Kushida to win this match, or do you think Hiromu retains? Where, where, where are you leaning on this match? Uh, if I had to bet, I would say Kushida. Kushida wins the, the belt back, but in in my perfect world, uh, Hiromu would win yet again and, and kind of delay that final confrontation to probably the Doom. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm left kind of with the same thing that you're thinking of, is that, that Kushida's just going to win this, because you can't tell that Road to Redemption story. I don't think they've... They've told it so hard that like if he comes now and then loses again... You're gonna lose a little bit of that. Fit. Then they're gonna go, okay, because she's just kind of a geek, and and yeah, whatever. Like he can say that he's gonna come back, and he says he's gonna do this, but does he really do it? So I I, I think that Kushida does win the title here. I think the long term again is that Hiromu does beat him when it, whatever rematch it is, and and we know that long term Hiromu is the ace of that division and the guy that's gonna you know have the title for a long time if and when he does. But all signs point in my mind to Kushida winning here, and, and I think it's 
to me, it's fairly obvious that he does, and I'm gonna I'm gonna be a little disappointed because I think Hiromu has done so well and has been such an important part of, of what New Japan has done on the undercard and and has been such an important part of that junior division that it's gonna suck to see him lose the title. But you know that it's just the next step on 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 his eventual path to complete destruction or whatever. So yeah, he's gonna lose it here, uh, and but but he'll get it back, and it's it, it's just a short term story that they're gonna tell. I think with with Kushida getting the title back, but uh, I think we're in agreement there that Kushida's gonna win, and I think uh, most people kind of lean that way as well. Would you would you be totally shocked though if Romo beats him again? No, I would not, given how strong they they've pushed him and the level of success. I mean, this is the best job any company has done of elevating talent this year, so I would not be surprised at all to see that continue, but I don't expect it to. Yeah, and then would you, uh, I, I guess my next question too, would, does it happen in dominant fashion? Let's say hypothetically that Hiromu does beat Kushida again. It can't happen in like two minutes again, right? It's got to be a long type of match that Hiromu pulls out, right? Or could, or would, in your mind, would you do it again where Hiromu just beats this guy again and is like, alright, dude, get out of here, like, I'm done with you, you're done, you're trash. No, that would, that would undo a lot of the, the best of the series. <laughs> would, yeah. That would render that largely seemingly irrelevant, and Hiromu did lose some matches, he's come off a grueling tournament I think, you know, the match will go however long would you, like a 15 minutes or so would, mm-hmm. would be my guess, it, w- it won't be another Lesnar-Goldberg type situation I don't, I, that would not be productive to me, even yeah, with no. uh, Hiromu with the win. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm in agreement there I think I think Kushida wins and I think it's a nice long match a nice little back and forth there uh, that gets it done but uh, definitely looking forward to that one, I think that could be a, a really intriguing match and again, we one of our um, in one of our Wrestle Kingdom uh, rematches, so we'll talk about a few others coming up here uh, as well, and that's one of the complaints of the show that we'll we'll talk about it. I think when we're all said and done previewing it, we'll talk uh, a little bit more at length at that. But our next match here, Joe, I know you're pumped for this one. Never open weight championship, but not just a normal match between Minoru Suzuki, the champion, and Hiroki Goto. No, this is a lumberjack death match, Joe. And for people uh, that don't know, can you explain what a lumberjack death match is? Uh, there'll be lumberjacks, and I, I guess they go till someone dies. I'm not entirely. Yeah, unfortunately, the deathmatch part for people that don't uh, follow New Japan stipulations, uh, that's just kind of a thing that they add on for some unknown reason. Like, this is not a deathmatch. It's just a lumberjack match. For some reason, they call it a lumberjack deathmatch. I have no idea. They have, like, chain deathmatches and, and fist deathmatches and, and, and last man standing deathmatches or whatever, but they're really just kind of a normal match. So, uh, this one, do not worry. It's just a standard Lumberjack match. Uh, so now I'll ask you your thoughts on Minoru Suzuki Hiroki Goto in a Lumberjack match. So, presumably, you're not going to get Suzuki Gun interfering. You're going to get just a straight one-on-one match between the two. Do you believe that, though? Or do you think that they're <laughs> no. going to be running in? Yeah. Do you think Do you think Suzuki Gun can resist the temptation to run in and perhaps nefarious means result in Minoru Suzuki uh, retaining his title? That, that sounds about right, I'm sure. Coming off the best of the Super Juniors, I'm sure. <laughs> what do you mean? They interfered? What happened? Yeah, once or twice, I think it, it may okay, have happened. Right. Although arbitrarily at points, I never. That was that was my main sticking point. Where sometimes you know all three other guys would be out there, sometimes no one would. Like, <laughs> what's your decision making process here for uh, for this? Anyway, yeah. So yeah, I expect a copious amounts of interference, and uh, yeah, I, I mean, who, this could be. Entertaining. This could be, you know, crap. It's it's, it's a pretty wide gap. But I mean, I think both guys are great, and I'll go with uh, Suzuki retaining. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I, I think Goto's going to win here, and I think the only reason why is because maybe they might limit the interference. I might. It might be a thing where uh, because you have those chaos guys down there, and everyone's standing there, that every time Suzuki tries to get in, 
Uh, they get thwarted by the Chaos guys, and that's how Goto then eventually beats Suzuki. But again, like I don't want to tell that story with Suzuki. I want Suzuki to be a guy that can win on his own or whatever. So part of me thinks that that would be cool too, because you have Goto who is Teflon, whatever. You have Goto loses another big match, whatever. Everybody moves on or whatever. But this is a situation I think you really could do a cool story where Suzuki, even without Suzuki Gun, proves, hey, look, I don't need those guys. I use it because I want to. It's cool when they come in because they make it a lot easier, but I don't need them. I could beat you on my own. I can, you know, whoop your ass entirely on my own, Hiroki Goto, or I can whoop your ass, you know, whoever. So I, I would really like that if Suzuki just goes in there and does win on his own, but it remains to be seen. But uh, for people that want to get an idea of what a Lumberjack match looks like in New Japan, there was one in 2013 between uh, Prince Devitt, who was, of course, the leader of the Bullet Club at that time, and Hiroshi Tanahashi. That's really good, and the crowd just uh, comes unglued for it. They absolutely love it. And it, it was in the peak of the Bullet Club interfering, back when, like, interference was was something new, and it was like a novelty in New Japan, where it's like, oh my god, he gads, these, these American men are are running in and interfering in matches and, and using weapons or whatever. Now you have like seven stables at the same time doing the exact same thing. So it's lost a little bit of its luster, but that match, the idea that, oh my God, the Bullet Club cannot interfere in this match and, and Prince Devitt can't run away or whatever, it really worked. And the crowd just came unglued for it too. So uh, it is readily available. So I think it's on New Japan World as well if you want to check it out. But uh, if you're interested in that, 2013, Prince Devitt and Hiroshi Tanahashi uh, had a Lumberjack match that's definitely worth uh, a Lumberjack, sorry, a Lumberjack death match. That's well worth your time. So, uh, and that's the match that I know that there was no death match because um, I don't think it wrote Stanash. She was going to work a death match with Prince Devitt. So, uh, it was unfortunately just a normal lumberjack match. So, I'll move on to um, another one of the Wrestle Kingdom eleven rematches. Here it was for the IWGP Intercontinental Championship. Tetsuya Naito defending his title against. Hiroshi Tanahashi, and I think, Joe, the big question here is uh, the health of Hiroshi Tanahashi. Obviously, we knew that he had some issues. Uh, he was going to be off the entire Best of the Super Juniors Tour. He's going to rest up. Do you think he's ready to go here? Do you think he can deliver what we think Tanahashi can or what, uh, you know, a Tanahashi-level type match? Uh, given what his injury is, I forget exactly what it was, but it was not nothing. It was not anything minor. I think he'll go in hurting, but I think he's going to pull out all the stops, as he tends to do. Whether that's beneficial or not to his long-term career, I think he's going to go all out, and this will be a fantastic match to him. Kind of something we've already forgotten was one of the great matches of the year so far. Given everything that's transpired, I think people almost kind of forgot, given Omega Okada happening in the same show and all the great wrestling sense, that they had a phenomenal match. Yeah, that match unfortunately just got completely swallowed up like the next, you know, five minutes later by Okada and Omega, which sucked because it was such a good match, and it's one that, like, I think is really going to get hurt in match of the year voting. It's really going to get hurt, you know, in, in, in terms of you know all time because it, it, it's a show, a match that happened on the exact same show minutes after, you know, or minutes before Okada and Omega. So it just gets really lost in the shuffle. But yeah, really good match. Go back and watch it if you if you haven't in a while, and maybe get ready for this match. Yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I think these two are going to deliver great again. Uh, I hope Tanahashi's healthy, and I hope he's ready to go. And, and you know Naito will always bring the consistency there, so uh, he just needs a level of worker to really step up uh, You know, a lot of times for Naito to have a, a really great match. And, and I have no doubt that Tanahashi in a semi-main event spot, so long as he's healthy or at least you know healthy enough that he can work through his match, that, that it's going to be pretty good. Uh, Joe, the big question, though, that a lot of people are asking, and, and it's been kind of a, an issue even in our preview uh, for this that will be up by the time most of you guys listen to this, um, who wins this match? You know, Tetsuya Naito has had such a great one with the IC title. He's tossing it in the air. He's broke the face plates. He doesn't care. He's, you know, disrespecting the title. Does Tanahashi win and bring respectability back to the title, or does Naito kind of keep this run going? Because uh, you can make a case for either one, really. Yeah, I think either one could, I could <coughs> easily, easily see happening. Uh, I don't see, I mean, Naito's held the belt for a long time. 
Uh, I could see Tana. I'm going to lean towards Tanahashi winning the belt. I don't think he needs it. I don't know if he is healthy enough to really have it. It just seems like the story they're setting up. But Naito's saying, like, well, if he doesn't beat me, this belt's destroyed and, and, and all that. I think Tanahashi's going to uh, win it and, and treat it properly. Yeah, I think uh, I'm, I'm the same boat as you for, for a little bit different reasons. Like, I think Tanahashi is going to win. Uh, the reason I look at it, though, is it has nothing to do with Tanahashi, because like you said, I don't think he really needs a title. I don't know if he really wants a title. Whatever. Uh, but, you know, it works as him as the IC title. You, you know, if you have a few matches here and there, he can draw um, the secondary shows as being the Intercontinental Championship, uh, you know, the Intercontinental title uh, holder, I should say. But the biggest thing I look at is Naito. And I look at Naito and what the future holds for Naito. And and I think he's at a point now where he's done everything he really can as the IC title holder. It's time for him to let that title go and be freed up for the G1. You know, whether or not he wins the G1, whatever. But free him up and let him get to the what we think is the final plan, which is him versus Okada. Or or whether it be him versus Omega. Or whatever it be that big-time match that we look at at the next Wrestle Kingdom. Like, that's what I'm looking at right now. I'm booking myself to Wrestle Kingdom 12 and going, okay, how are we going to get to that point? Naito's going to be in a big-time role. I think he's going to be in the title match, and I think he's going to be the challenger. How do we get him to that point now in June, you know, June 11th? How do we set that up? And I think the best way to set that up is get rid of the IC title. Don't let him worry about that anymore. Have him win the G1, whatever you're going to do. Have him win whatever it is. That is then what I think is the long-term story there. So in my mind, he doesn't need the title anymore. So it, it, you look at Tanahashi, a guy who doesn't need it. I think Naito needs it even less, and I think it works better if Naito can kind of shed that title, put it in the rear view, and work on whatever is coming for Wrestle Kingdom 12, which to me is bigger and better things than the IC title. So, Yeah, I would agree. I think that opens up more <laughs> possibilities for Naito. Yeah, it, it makes a clear path for him to win the G1, which I think is what they're going to do, and I think what most people can kind of reasonably guess is, is your leader uh, for the G1. Or it could be the loser of this match, uh, which is the main event here, IWGP Heavyweight Championship, Kazuchika Okada defending his title against Kenny Omega in a rematch of the crazy Dave Meltzer six-star Wrestle Kingdom 11 main event. Joe, big question here. Okada's had the title for quite a while here. Does Omega get it done on this night? Does Omega walk into the New Japan G1 special in Los Angeles like the Young Bucks, like maybe the Girls of Destiny, as the member of Bullet Club, as the man, as the champion, as the IWGP Heavyweight Champion? Any chance that it happens? Yes. <laughs> that, that's my pick. I think it's uh, it's time. I think he's going to go into Long Beach as the champ. I think it's peaking at the right time, and uh, yeah, I'd say he gets the job done. My question to you is, I give you an over-under... 40 minutes for the match. What do, you, do you take the over or do you take the under? I would take the over. Mm. I would really take the over. Yeah, I think these guys are... Um, I, I just don't... And that's long. Like That's a really long yeah. match Like in today's era. But, man, if these guys are going to want... Because we know that Omega's going to want Epic. We know that he isn't going to go into a match and go, yeah, you know what, let's let's do this, let's do that, let's get in and out of here. And, and This guy's going to want to kill, especially if... Because I agree with you. I think Omega's walking out here with the title... Uh, Okada's had it for a year now. Uh, he won it at last year's Dominion. Like it's time for him to win, the, you know, let the title go, and it's it's time for Omega to win it because it works really well with the branding of, of the New Japan G1 specials uh, in America. So, he all signs to me point to to Omega winning, and if he knows that he's going to win and he knows that this is his big moment, you know, goddamn well he's going into this match going let's let's get epic here, let's get as epic as we possibly can. And really, uh, in a lot of ways, they got to follow up what they did at Wrestle Kingdom, which is no easy task whatsoever. So, yeah, I go over, but I mean that's long. Like you really think about that. I'm, what was the Wrestle Kingdom match? Do you remember the runtime uh, of that about one? Forty-six, I want to say. <laughs> oh wow! So okay. Yeah, there. I mean, the um, New Japan Purocast stated it this week. They are in such an impossible situation 
where they could have a five star match and have it be considered disappointing because <laughs> compared to what they did earlier this year. Yeah, how do you They're follow re- that up? Like, it's yeah, all, yeah, it's ridiculous. Like, this is a. I mean, it's really, it's really a no win situation, and they haven't been <laughs> talking it up like they did their first match. You know, which I mean, when they said basically this will be something very special and memorable and one of the great matches of all time, and, and they were absolutely right. And you're not hearing that talk this time around. So I think they, I think they're gonna. I'm gonna. I, I would take the under on the. Uh, I think they they'll go about 35 minutes. I think they'll try to do more of a standard main event. I just don't think you know both guys trying to kill each other before the Long Beach shows and before the G1 is really tenable. So, but I will take Omega with the win. Yeah, and I, I think that's a good point that the the Purecast guys made there because you, you really are in a possible situation if you're Kenny Omega because. If you deliver again, like say you go out there and you too and you just absolutely get, like you've then set the standard that like okay every Kenny Omega match has to be like this incredible all time great match every Omega match or every Okada match rather has to be at that same level like I don't know that they can sustain that what they did at Wrestle Kingdom so maybe it is worth it for them to kind of reel it in a little bit and go okay look that was Wrestle Kingdom that was our big show that was our WrestleMania or whatever this is Dominion it's a big time deal it's in Osaka Joe Hall it's a, it's a big time event maybe let's reel it in a little bit let's maybe not go as nuts and like you're saying. The optics of it are a little different. Omega was going out there before that match and going, "That's gonna, this is gonna be the greatest match of all time. We're gonna blow your mind." He hasn't really done that here. He's kind of kept it a little bit reserved here, and I could see the reason for that. But the the problem that I have though is it's Kenny Omega, and if there's anybody that's gonna go, okay, let's top what we did at Wrestle Kingdom, it's Kenny Omega, and it's it's Okada too because he's a guy that continually every single time we go out there we go, okay, well he can't do better than he did X, and he does, and he somehow finds a way. So. I don't know that it's possible that they can top what they did at Wrestle Kingdom, but if there are any two guys in the world that could follow up on like a six-star match, it's these two dudes. So, man, I'm I'm really looking forward to it one way or another. Um, in your mind, when it's all said and done, do you think it lives up to it, or do you think are you kind of setting yourself up for not necessarily disappointment, but necessarily? I guess I should say just knowing that it's almost an impossible task to reach what they did at Wrestle Kingdom 11. Like, was that a once-in-a-lifetime moment, or is this a real possibility that they could follow that up? Yeah, I'm kind of tempering expectations that this will just be an excellent, excellent match. <laughs> Which is fine. Like, that, yeah, yeah, like, that's yeah, not, yeah, no, no complaint. <laughs> like, it's, it's incredible that we're at this point. It's like, ah, you know, it'll be incredible all-time great match. Yeah, it's... They just cannot. They, they can't follow up Wrestle Kingdom, right? Like, No. It's just... No. Kind of a, a moment in time, I think. Yeah, I, I think it'll just be a, an excellent match. We'll leave it to that. Um, what would you put the percent chance that Omega wins here? Because I've seen a, I've seen quite a few people picking Okada still to retain and and still to win. In your mind, though, is it any chance whatsoever, or, or you know, wh- what would you put the the line at really? If you had to say, I would say the line for Omega winning. Let's let's say that maybe what percent chance would you put? Uh, at I put Omega it at winning? seventy. I think there's a good chance. I mean, a decent chance Okada wins. I don't. I think there's much more upside. Omega winning, I think it's a lot more positive. I think it's time. I think there's a very good chance, but I'm would not be surprised at all if Okada won. Yeah, and 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 the big thing too is again like um, it being a year to the date that Okada won it originally. You know, at Osaka six nineteen. You know, um, or Dominion six nineteen, I should say. So that being a, a symbolic moment too that he's had it now for an entire calendar year. It's probably time. Like you know what I mean? He's had a, a super long run. I'm, I'm actually, actually trying to look at at where he ranks right now in terms of all-time runs. Obviously, I'm sure there's a few Inoki runs that uh, have him beat. But, yeah, let's see. Okada is... 
Uh, this current run has him one, two, three, four, five, six. So seventh all time. This current run. Uh, you have Shinya Hashimoto who had it 489 days. Uh, a Tanahashi run, a Great Muda run, uh, a Nagata run, an earlier Okada run actually from Invasion Attack in uh, 2013. A uh, Big Van Vader run, another Shinya Hashimoto run, and now this Okada run. I mean that's that's lofty territory that he's in right now. I mean I think a year with the title. Uh, is pretty good. I don't think he loses anything really by losing here. I think he's proven himself uh, as a worthy guy because that's always the worry is that you know if he loses the title, what then becomes of Okada? But I don't know that we necessarily have to worry about Okada at this point. Like I think he's pretty much a a made man, and nothing's really going to deter him uh, one way or another. Um, I guess it will ask you then. So okay, so you put a seventy percent chance at o- an Omega winning here. Is it a straight win? Is it interference? Is there nefarious means? Or is it Omega just goes out there and he's just the better man on this night? No, I think it's Omega just finally hitting the one-winged angel and getting the win. I don't, I don't see. You know, maybe the young bucks are at ringside. Maybe they they'll set up a table again or something like that. But nothing, nothing Suzuki good level. Uh, yeah, and, and they've kind of kept that out of big New Japan matches for a while as well. I'd be very disappointed if Okada's run does end that way, and if Omega's run begins with some sort of nefarious thing or guys interfering or somebody debuting or you know, what I mean, like I just think that would really, I mean, let Omega just win this thing on its own. Like I think you can have an epic match and have Omega emerge from it, and and nobody's the worst for the wear. You don't need to protect Okada. Like you've done enough there. We're just just have Omega win because yeah, I, I'm right with you too. I in my mind, I just want Omega to go in there and cleanly win. Yeah, the Bucks can do some stuff here and there. They can get you know involved in the early part of the match, but let the finish just be Omega being the better man on that night because I still believe that you got a mega start with Kenny Omega if and when you want to pull that trigger. And now I think it's a great time to get it started, especially with them coming to America. So, uh, yeah, I think the interesting part of this entire show, and I, and, and this will kind of close uh, with this our Dominion preview is. A lot of the stuff that you and I have mentioned have all been building to this new New Japan G1 special in America. In your mind, would you do that? Would you say, okay, we have to change things for the American audience? Do you think that then in a lot of ways kind of waters down what New Japan is if they come to America with all these new champions and all these new champions are in Bullet Club and, and you got Kenny Omega an English speaker, you got you know the Young Bucks as an English speaker as a champion. Does that worry you a little bit that you come into that G1 special trying a little bit, maybe pandering a little bit too much to the American audiences? I mean, if you're looking to expand, and they clearly are, I think that's a step you have to take. But not to the point where it's not like, you know, they put the belt on Cody because he speaks English and they're putting him out there. That would be a level of pandering. If they never came to America and had Kenny Omega be the, the world champion, I don't think anyone... If they had all these... You know, if they had them in the Bucks and the Grills of Destiny, I don't think anyone would really blink. So I, I don't get that feeling at all, no. Yeah, and Omega works in Japan, too. And that's the thing yeah. that I think a lot of people forget. Like, we see him and he's like a white guy or whatever, and he speaks English. So we just kind of assume, oh, you know, English-speaking, you know, American wrestler guy. But Ken Omega, it's been so long since he's been synonymous with American wrestling. Like, that dude's Japanese wrestling through and through. And he's a he's a known draw on, you know, Japanese, you know, in... In Tokyo, like people from Tokyo go to watch that dude wrestle. We're seeing it at Dominion. Ticket sales are good again to see, you know, Kenny Omega. They were great at Wrestle Kingdom or whatever. So this is the thing where, uh, you know, this idea that Omega, I think, because I agree with you, I don't know that it's necessarily pandering for Omega to win, because I think Omega works just as well as a Japanese. You know, if it, like you said, if he never went to America, if New Japan had no plans to go to America, it makes just as much sense for Omega to win as it would just him being in Japan. So, yeah, I'm right with you as well. I think it just works perfectly for Omega. I think it's the right time to do it. And there's benefits, you know, both abroad and uh, in Japan. So if there's a few fans that go, oh, they have an English-speaking guy, that's cool. And that's why they like, you know, or that's why they follow New Japan or that's why they watch it on Access or whatever. That's cool. That's great. That's a benefit that you have. But I think you'll get just enough of the authentic New Japan fans that understand 
that this guy, like you're saying, he's not just giving the title to a Michael Elgin or a, a Cody and going, here you go, here's an American guy for you guys to cheer for. Or, you know, here's a North American guy that you guys can relate to. It's Kenny freaking Omega. I mean, that guy is through and through Japan. He just so happens to speak English, but he has a connection to English fans that work a little bit as well. So I, I, I think it's absolutely the right idea. Um, and in a lot of ways, to me, it frees up Okada to do some fun stuff as well on those tours. I've ad- advocated for uh, an Okada-Tanahashi match. Uh, that you can do maybe for the IC title, maybe it's just kind of a, a random match, but then you can then open him up a little bit and have him in some some different things as well while Omega has the title and, and, and maybe defends the title against some guys. But no, I'm, I'm all in on Omega winning the title, and I'm all in on, on it being a good idea, not only for the G1 shows, uh, but for Japan proper as well. The story's been told uh, pretty well uh, in that sense. So <clears throat> that's it. Uh, anything else on Dominion or New Japan? Uh, just, an, I mean, they have a uh, show on Friday as well with a bunch of uh, tag matches. In, from Cork and uh, main evented by Okada and Rapungi Vice against the elite of uh, the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega. That'll be fun. It's pretty, I mean, there's like 50 people on this Corican show. There's, <laughs> I think, two 10 man tags, a bunch, a bunch of tag matches. So that'll be a, a pretty fun build up to the show on Sunday. All right, so let's move on to WWE land here where we had a mildly extreme, extreme rules show on Sunday. Uh, Joe, on a scale of one to uh, extreme with like seven exclamation points, how extreme was Extreme Rules? All right, first of all, uh, extre- <laughs> Extreme Rules is like the stupidest name for a show in history. <laughs> I, I don't think that's there's been nine of these things. It doesn't get talked about enough. What does that mean? Oh, we, there are still rules. Don't worry, but they're extreme. Like that's that's stupid. Uh, also, I I don't even. They should have called this show, huh? Because that's what I said like 15 times during the show. Yeah, or WWE convoluted rules would have been a good idea. Because, yeah, this was the least extreme extreme rules I think I can ever remember. And what was extreme about this on any level whatsoever? Like, I guess the main event was, but, like, a submission match between high flyers is extreme? Mm -hmm. Like, I guess the steel cage match was pretty extreme? Like... I guess, you know... (laughs) The Miz and Dean Ambrose in a match where one of the men cannot be disqualified? Like extreme like yeah it's it's really an outdated pay-per-view title name and I really hope to get rid of it like no one's really used the word extreme since like 1997 maybe yeah. 2003 people started using it again but like it's really gotta go uh, in 2017 it just doesn't work and uh, it just doesn't make any sense particularly on a show that was very unextreme on, on every level whatsoever so uncensored is still out there you know they own that they could, oh, I, God, yeah, I mean was... granted those shows were horseshit but still <laughs> still it works yeah, a little bit better than, than Extreme Rules, but then you have the same thing that WCW had where it was, like, uncensored, and then there's, like, referees in the ring, and, like, there's <laughs> a lot of censorship going on. So it's like, is it really uncensored? Because I feel like none of this is censored. Like, all they're like all of this is, is, is being censored and, and, and being, you know, confined to WCW standards, which really happened with this Extreme Rules show, which Wait, had... Are you saying Avalanche uh, losing a no-DQ <laughs> match by DQ isn't extreme somehow? It's uncensored! Uh, <laughs> Oh, God. Well, this, yeah, I, I kind of had the same thoughts with Extreme Rules. Uh, a big haunt the entire night. Um, we're not going to go too in-depth to this, because I really have no strong thoughts about Extreme Rules. Like, when it was said and done, like, I wanted to be upset, I wanted, but it's just like, ah, whatever, who the hell cares about WWE uh, these days? Uh, the pre-show, did you watch, did you get a chance to watch the pre-show? No. Damn, I hope you, damn, because that was like the best match on the entire I show. know, like, I know. Go watch it, because like, I now you really hate this show. <laughs> because I watched the pre-show and I was like, when it was all said and done, I was like, well, that was the best match on the entire show was Kalisto Apollo Cruz. I cannot imagine the show without seeing that pre-show match. Holy God, like, you really yeah. were in for something then. Yeah, that's when my, <coughs> like, I'll go back and watch the pre-show matches like a week after the fact and be, 
just I guess completely <laughs> have no relationship to the show whatsoever. Just watch a, a boring opening or heatless opening match. But uh, no, I, I heard good things about it too, and the, the Titus brand and. Uh, Titus showing up on 205 Live, so yeah, <laughs> that'll, oh, yeah. that'll give that some juice right there. Any, anything with more Titus is, is good on my part. Well, the the main pay-per-view opener then was The Miz uh, defeating Dean Ambrose, uh, a singles match for the uh, Intercontinental title, of course. Uh, the stipulation was if Ambrose had been disqualified, he would have lost the title. Uh, the problem I had with this match from the beginning was it didn't it wasn't worked like a match that, that w- was was worthy of the stipulation like one of the my favorite matches ever is that Randy Orton Christian match from from Money in the Bank which had the stipulation where if Randy Orton got disqualified you know Christian would win the title and Christian from the opening bell fucks with the guy he fucks with Randy Orton and it just worked perfectly with Randy Orton a guy that you knew is kind of a always uh, you, you know potential to be an explosion you know blow up or whatever so a little bit you know slap him on the top of the head kind of kick him a little bit uh, you know eventually spit on him is what makes him eventually get the DQ or whatever you know the Miz at one point kind of taunted Dean Ambrose and I think he slapped him or whatever but the work itself wasn't anything different everybody going into the match went okay what's going to happen is Maurice is going to try to hit the Miz to try to cause the DQ or whatever and that eventually happened but it happened after after like 19 minutes of the match which was like the first 19 minutes was just a match and it was like why do you why do you have this stipulation if nothing is going to be different nothing is going to be worked different like the announcers made reference to it but Dean Ambrose really never got there was never this idea that he was this loose cannon that oh my god you have to really get this guy under control or whatever it just didn't work on that sense and 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 uh the finish we'll talk to about in a little bit but what do you think of the bulk of the match and and, and the stipulation first off like you said, it was just a match, and Dean Ambrose, as much as he's portrayed as a loose cannon, isn't exactly Bruiser Brody in terms of like going nuts and getting disqualified. So, and this match, like, I, I guess the wrestling was okay, but it went like 20 minutes for the, the stipulation. It just seemed weird. And the spot that, I mean, everyone mentions the, the slap and why it didn't happen sooner, and that's true. But the one that bothered me was when Miz threw Dean into the ref, and the ref is like, oh, I can't believe he did that. He... He's like going to disqualify him. Like, well, he didn't like you know hit the ref or like punch him. Or I just thought like, well, why did the ref think Dean would attack him? Like, what what sense did that make? Like, like isn't it possible? Like, you know, he could have just accidentally run into the referee. It happens all the time. And then yeah, the, it's just one anyway. So. The finish sucked. The finish was just awful. Because, yeah, as you mentioned, you have the slap, and the referee is smart as hell going, oh, no, 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 I know what you guys are trying to do. You get out of here, Maurice, or whatever. And it, as if you haven't seen, as, as the referee is kicking Maurice out of the ring, uh, the Miz throws Dean Ambrose into the referee, and the referee then instantly, after being the smartest guy in the room, seconds later is the dumbest guy in the room and going, oh, you hit me! Why? Like, there was <laughs> no reason for Dean Ambrose. Why would Dean Ambrose come from behind and just hit you? Like, in what world would Dean Ambrose go, ah, now I got this referee, I'm going to beat him up. Like, there was no need. He actually was helping you. So, like, the justification that the referee was just like, oh, well, no, 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 you definitely hit me. It was like, why would Dean Ambrose hit him? Like, for a second, the ref could think and go, wait, what is this guy's justification for hitting me? Like, he knows that he's going to get disqualified if this match gets... There's no way that he would hit me. And, like, maybe he just did bump into me. Maybe they were doing... I was leaning over the ropes. Maybe it was just an Irish whip. You know, there was many cases that could have happened that the referee just would not understand. He would not listen. He was about to ring the bell. And then the weirdest part, too, is, like, he's about to ring the bell. He's about to disqualify Dean Ambrose. And then the Miz, you know, sneaks up from behind, hits him. And the referee is just like, nope, I gotta count this fall. And, like, counts it. And it makes Dean look like the biggest idiot in the world. It makes the referee look like the biggest idiot in the world. And I don't think it makes the Miz look any smarter. It just makes the Miz look like a, a, a guy that capitalized on a bunch of fucking idiots. Like, God, I hated this finish. I hated this yeah. match. That did nothing for no one, so... God, I hated it. Also, oh. Miz is like a... I mean, you're a seven-time IC champion, also. <laughs> like, however many U.S. titles he's had, like, 
I don't know. I just maybe you should try to move on to the world title again. <laughs> like, I think we've done all, all we can here. With yeah, he's like talking about bringing respectability to the the IC title again, and it's like, dude, like, mm. yeah. Let me see how many how many US titles. Don't look it up. I want you to try to get. I'm going to try to get it up, and I want you to try to guess. I'm going to say two. Right on the money, two. All US right. Titles. Yeah. How many uh, WWE Tag Team Championships? Ooh, let's see. I remember Show Miz and the team with Morrison. Um, <laughs> we're gonna count world another. and we're, we're gonna count yeah. both WWE and World Tag. We're gonna count them all as one, so that makes it a little bit easier for you. Uh, I'm gonna say four. It's actually six. Six. Wow. You're on the money as far as WWE Tag Team Championships. He's got one with the the, the Morrison, uh, one with Big Show, one with John Cena, and one with Damian Mizdow. I'm sure the, the, oh, the John yeah. Cena one was like, oh, we're facing each other at the pay per view, and now we're oh. champions. Oh, the hilarity! Like. Uh, and then there was a, a World Tag Team Championship run with uh, Morrison, and then a World Tag Team Championship run also with the Big Show. So, Yeah. There you go. So, oh. seven-time IC title, two-time US, and six-time Tag Team title. Phew. Yep. Maybe move on. <laughs> yeah, maybe. yeah, maybe. Maybe try something else. Yeah, that's... Uh, yeah, you're running money about that, but uh, this match was terrible, so I'm going to... Move on here to, uh, I guess, a better match. Rich Swan and, and Sasha Banks defeating Noam Dar and Alicia Fox in a mixed tag match. I, um, I'll i be honest, I don't remember any of my thoughts on this match whatsoever. I'm going to look up what I wrote about it, because I don't remember at all. <laughs> Joe, I mean, what were your strong guess, thoughts about this? Cause I, 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 it was nice. You know, the good guys Did this match guy. actually happen? I feel like it did This happen. did occur. I remember okay. uh, Sasha hitting Are the you double sure? knees. No, she hit the double knees on uh, Noam uh, to the floor, and then uh, that is correct. Okay, that did Phoenix happen, Splash yeah. for the win. Uh, this the if you <laughs> this whole feud is just if you look, I like or, like Rich was mad at Noam for I guess stealing Cedric's girlfriend, which didn't didn't happen because <laughs> Cedric dumped her and she went with 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 Dar, and then Cedric got hurt, and then he came back and gave an interview saying, "I don't have time for these people." <laughs> so <laughs> like, well. Makes me feel glad we finally settled this issue, but I think it is uh, it is done, and yeah, the the good guys won and didn't look foolish, so that was a bonus on this show. Yeah, that was uh, actually I looked at it and uh, I said you'll never think about it again, but a fun way to spend five minutes. So that was true because I there never thought it again. But yeah, it was pretty good. I remember the hometown pop for Rich Swan, which was pretty nice too. And then uh, on the post show, Sasha Banks made sure to uh, make references to winning in your hometown like three or four times uh, in kind of a uh, a nod to uh, hey, why do we never win in our hometown, including myself? So. <laughs> and Bailey, so it was uh, pretty fun there. But uh, <clears throat> speaking of the one and only Bailey, we had the kendo stick on a pole match. Alexa Bliss defeating Bailey in five minutes. What did you think of this match? Because man, I have a lot to say about it, but I want to let you have the floor first. Because uh, yeah, this was this was unique. Uh, these two should thank God that the Randy Orton Bray Wyatt feud happened and locked up worst feud of the year. Because I I cannot think of any. I mean. This, the, I just don't get the booking of this. Like, Bailey got her ass handed to her every time leading up, and then she asked for this match, uh, and then just gets squashed in five minutes. Like, it's I, I just don't understand the thought process here at all. Yeah, I'm, I'm not getting at all what they're doing with Bailey. And, and they just, a fundamental misunderstanding of what Bailey the character is and what the Bailey the character can be. I mean, just completely a misunderstanding because in the build of this, you have Alexa Bliss. Making fun of Bailey. She's a nerd. She never kissed boys. She watched wrestling. Ew! <laughs> like that was my favorite part about the This Year Life segment was like her going instead of like hanging out with boys, she watched wrestling. Ew! And it's like, dude, uh, like, somebody wrote that, and Vince is like, oh yeah, yeah, what nerd? Like what a nerd? And it was like, dude, that's your show. Like don't like 
what are you like what are we doing here what 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 is going on but that this year life second was horrendous and they knew it was they cut it off all the youtube they knew it was a, no good but when you do that segment the thing that happens is that the, the person that's getting made fun of gets the revenge right you would hope but they don't they just get their ass kicked and another part about it too the the fundamental part about bailey that got me so upset as well is that you know she's the one that speaks to you know young girls, young generations. It doesn't have to be girls. It could be boys and girls too, but she speaks to the younger audience that's watching the show. The, the kids in the crowd. Bailey is kind of the, the archetype. Their spirit animal. She's, she's that. She's, she's the young kids in all these people. The, the, the childlike tendencies of, of the children that are watching the show or whatever. So you build up this feud where her idea of what she's going to do is beat the fuck out of her bully with a kendo stick. Which to me is like fundamentally weird. Like What I wanted out of this match was Bailey... Even if she didn't win the match, even if you don't want her to win the match, she gets the kendo stick, looks at it, and breaks it over her leg and goes, I don't need this. I'm not, I'm not going to use a weapon to beat you. I'm just going to beat you because I'm, I'm better than you. I'm going to use my wrestling to beat you. That's what I would do. But in this match, Bailey gets the kendo stick, like, right away, like, sneaks away from Alexa Bliss to get the kendo stick, like, to explicitly get it, then holds it in her hand for a while. They do a little bit of the, oh, my God, Bailey's conflicted. Like, she's not sure if she wants to use this or whatever. And then she tries to use it, but then Alexa just tackles her and then beats the fuck out of her. And then that's it. It's like, you didn't even tell the right story with it. Like, have Bailey be enough conflicted where she looks at it and then drops it. And then that gives Alexa the opening. You know what I mean? Like, do something like that. But instead you tell the story where Bailey's about to hit her, is seconds away from hitting Alexa, but Alexa's just quicker and beats her up. And then beats her up with a kendo stick. And it's like, kids, don't be a nerd. You know what I mean? Like, 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 don't be a nerd. Don't watch wrestling. And bullies are going to be better than you, and they're going to beat the hell out of you. And you suck. And go away. (laughs) Like, that's... What is the story? You can't tell... That cannot be the end result of the story. Is, well, you should kiss boys and not watch wrestling. Or else you're going to be a nerd like Bailey. But that's what we're telling here. What are we doing? (laughs) What I wish they had done is that Bailey... Like, you know, um... Maybe Alexa picked the, uh... The stipulation, Bailey's like, oh, maybe she, she, you know, she mentioned the Sandman and Tommy Dreamer. Maybe, she, maybe we get vignettes for those two trainer and being extreme. Like she has to get beer for the Sandman out of a tree, like Mikey Whipwreck had to do for Public Enemy, something like that. And then she learns to toughen up. But this, I just don't know, and I don't know how. You know, Alexa Bliss, I, I think she's a fantastic character and promo and a fine wrestler. I don't know how she's this unstoppable. <laughs> like it's her Neville and Brock Lesnar, like the monsters of the WWE, <laughs> these unstoppable forces. Five foot tall Alexa Bliss, and like, I man, I just, I I will never get this. Yeah, I, I don't know what the next step is. I don't know what we're gonna do with with the rest of this feud. But wow, it's is, man, this is really bad. I don't I, I don't know if it's gonna get any better. And I, I think it's kind of done for now, right? Because Bailey was off TV, and they're already kind of moving uh, Alexa over to uh, to uh, not to Mina, um, uh, Nia Jax. So um, yeah, I don't know what's going on. Like the, what the hell is my Alexa going? I keep saying Alexa Bliss. That was. Alexa, stop. Just, thank you. I forgot I cannot say Ableist in my room without <laughs> <laughs> taking away. Uh, but yeah, this, this feud is, is horrendous. And, and, and the, the Bailey thing, like, uh, what do you, what's the next step with Bailey? Like, I, I don't know what's, I'm, I'm at a crossroads here with this character. Cause it's like, you obviously don't get it. You don't understand what you're doing with it. What a waste. Like, I, I, I just think you don't understand what you have in Bailey. And you're really at a point now where she is just going to be another person. And and that's hard to do. That was really hard to do with a Bailey, but they managed to do it in, in almost record time as well. 
Yeah, I think uh, I think the the time off is good because you need some kind of, of reset here. I don't know whether she ends up on SmackDown or she needs some kind of fresh start here because she's just dead in the water right now, which is just amazing, amazing. It's it's really inexplicable here. Okay, well, speaking of inexplicable, <laughs> Steel Cage Tag Team Match. The WWE Rock Tag Team Titles are on the line. Cesaro and Sheamus defeat the Hardy Boys, Matt and Jeff Hardy. Ah, Joe, what the hell happened in the finish of this match? I I just I just <laughs> I remember there was a segment where you know Matt's alone in the ring with Sheamus and, and Cesaro, and Sheamus starts climbing out, and Matt hits Cesaro with the side effect, so he's out. And then he goes and stops Sheamus from climbing. And I'm like, why don't you just climb out another side? Sheamus can't stop you. Cesaro can't. You'll win. And then Jeff Hardy hits a move and hurts himself far more than his opponents. He tries to get dragged out the cage door. The heels climb over the, the cage and win. And I just, I'm like, this is like the, the worst stipulation you could have picked. Like, I think if you've done a, a tables match or falls count anywhere, a tornado or something, it would have been good. But this just... The the weird rules and haphazard I it was just I just don't get it. I kind I mean I liked parts of this match I think all four guys are great but yeah yeah I just don't I just don't get it yeah for people that didn't see this I mean there was some weird 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 booking in this match so uh, you had I think they've done before where especially with the Hardys I forgot exactly what it was I was trying to figure out uh, as the show was going on if it happened at Unforgiven uh, 2000, uh, 2000 or uh, there was a Survivor Series 2001 or whatever where there was a Hardy Boys match where I do remember Jeff like got out and he escaped or whatever and left Matt Hardy in the ring and it was kind of like kind of felt bad about it and was like oh man and like Jerry Lawler was like oh you idiot like you left him in the ring by himself or whatever and that was kind of the same story they told here where Jeff gets out uh, Matt's kind of on his own or whatever um and then, like, so you have Cesaro and Sheamus sort of beating each other up or whatever, and Matt continues to try to let, not let them climb out when it's like, dude, you can just leave. Like, again, it, so there's that same issue that we can do. I mean, we can have the same podcast every single time there's a WWE cage match. They, they don't make any fucking sense. The, the escape the cage rule doesn't make sense in 2017. It, it worked for Bruno when he was beating up, like, the, the heel of the month or whatever and would just beat him bloody and then walk out of the door or whatever. Like, Dave Meltzer likes to tell that story all the time. But it doesn't work for, like guys trying to get out of the ring because it's like why do you want to get out of the ring like there's so many times where it's like dude just walk through the door like why are you climbing like you're, the other guys are climbing you just should go out the door whatever whatever put that aside I don't care about the, the, the normal WWE cage match annoying stuff but then you have so you have Jeff Hardy outside the ring so he's out he, he's done or whatever he comes back into the ring to help his brother Matt and they make a point to say, "Oh, he's entered himself back in the match." And when I'm when they when they're saying that, I'm going, "Well, yeah, he's ex- he's he's put himself back in the match." You're right by by you know hitting the swanton or hitting a, his move off the top rope or hitting whatever the hell he, he like a, a shining wizard or some you know whatever the hell or what the hell did he hit like a it's like a moonsault or some shit that he hit. So whatever, so he hits that. He puts himself back in the match. Well, then as the match is ending, you have Cesaro and Sheamus who are climbing out. Matt Hardy gets out and he's trying to drag Jeff Hardy out of the ring. And I'm like, dude, Matt Hardy's out. They won, right? Like. But no, Jeff Hardy literally inserts himself back in the match, apparently, by re-entering the cage. And then, like, people online are like, oh, well, they said that, like, both men's feet had to hit at the same time. And I'm like, what the hell are we doing here? Like, Jeff Hardy doesn't insert himself back in the cage match, right? Like, he left, his feet hit the floor, he's good. He can come and go as he pleases, right? Apparently not, apparently. What? I don't, I don't know. Well, look at me. But everybody looked like idiots when it was all said and done. Because yeah. it was like, because you have Jeff who put himself back in a match and then couldn't get out of the ring. It, it's just like, again, another match that was just WWE 
convoluted rules where it's like, oh no, both men have to hit at the same time or both men have to get out at the same Because that doesn't make any sense. Like, what happens if... Whatever, I don't... I'm not thinking about this match anymore, ever again. I never want to think about this ever again. Cesaro and Samus win. I don't care anymore. I'm done, so... I like how Cesaro wins a belt and we're just all flabbergasted at it. Yeah. We can't even be... We can't even enjoy that. I'm sorry, Cesaro, but yeah, I can't even because it just had to be the most convoluted finish ever. It just did not work and... And and people defending the logic too. It's like, well, no, they both people have to hit at the same time. That doesn't make any fucking sense. Like, why would it be that way? But whatever. WWE convoluted rules. Um, luckily, we got things on the uh, straight and arrow here with uh, Neville versus Austin Aries in a submission match for the Cruiserweight Championship. What do you think of this match? Because I enjoyed the match for what it was, but yeah, I thought the uh, the submission match stipulation did hurt it a little bit. Yeah, it just didn't make it as enjoyable as uh, another stipulation would have. I don't think it. Really worked either guy's either guy's strength to, to do that and you know a lot of people saying Aries has lost three times in a row. He didn't he didn't lose the middle match, he won by DQ. He didn't win the title. But yeah, Neville Neville wins again, like pretty clean. And uh if if you watch two oh five live, I think the uh the Aries, I mean uh, Neville and T J P had a match I think I thought was a lot better than this. I they just had a straight up wrestling match that was really good and really long. But I mean this was fine, but uh the stipulation again did not help. Um, one thing I did want to mention, there was two things, uh, two things rather, in this match that I wanted to talk about. Um, one was the incredible moment where uh, Austin Aries dove on the outside to try to do, you know, his suicide dive on, on on Neville, and Neville ducked out of the way. But the way they did the camera shot, you never saw Neville, so you thought Austin Aries just dove outside of the ring <laughs> and hit the wall with like nobody being anywhere near there. Luckily, like after like five minutes, somebody said, "Hey, we should show a replay that shows Neville ducking out of the way." So it made a little bit more sense. But like, there's gifts out there, and the, like the main cut was like Austin Aries just diving with nobody else in the frame. So just Austin Aries doing a suicide dive, landing on the floor looking like a complete idiot. Uh, and then the other awesome thing that made it so extreme was that Austin Aries had a submission on Neville outside of the ring, and they said, uh, "No, no, 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 you can't tap him out outside of the ring. It must be inside the ring." So. Uh, nothing screams extreme like everything must be done inside the confines of the ring. So, um, yeah. yeah. So that's that. But hey, the main event was fun. Samoa Joe defeating Roman Reigns, Seth Rollins, Finn Balor, and Bray Wyatt to win the Fatal Five Way Extreme Rules match. Uh, Samoa Joe then gets a title shot at WWE Great Balls of Fire <sighs> against Brock Lesnar. Get used to saying that, by the way, because that's a thing that exists, apparently. WWE Great Balls of Fire, Samoa Joe. Brock Lesnar. Uh, let's talk about this match, though, uh, the main event of Extreme Rules. Uh, what did you think of the Fatal Five-Way? Because I thought, aside from the pre-show match, which I cannot believe I'm, I'm saying aside from the pre-show match, this was the best match, and I, I'd maybe put it a little bit above the pre-show match as well. I thought everybody delivered here, and I thought it was a really good match, given the confines of a Fatal Five-Way, which, you know, I, I don't necessarily always love uh, when you have multi-man matches, but I thought they did the best, one of the better, you know, multi-man matches I've seen in WWE in, in quite some time. Yeah, between this and Elimination Chamber, it's been a good year for these long multi-man main events. But, I mean, this was great. They, uh, Like you said, I think everyone looked good. Everyone looked good coming out of this match. I think we had a nice story with uh, with Joe and Bray teaming up for a bit before inevitably turning on each other. A lot of great spots and back-and-forth action. And uh, kind of, a, I mean, a, a surprise to me where Smojo picked up the win and kicking off a, a, already a great feud with, uh, with Brock Lesnar, who hasn't shown up yet. But no, I like, I like by far the, the the best thing of the night, and kind of kind of the saving grace of the show. 
Yeah, I like that point you brought up about Samoa Joe, because I don't know that, like, if you would give me four guesses of who was going to win this match, that I would ever come up with Samoa Joe. Like, it just didn't seem like the right time for a Brock Lesnar-Samoa Joe. Not to say that it's not the right time, because I'm all in on it, and I cannot wait for it, but it just seemed like when you're kind of booking from the mind of Vince McMahon, it's like, well, geez, you're not going to do Samoa Joe Brock Lesnar. Are you kidding? Like, there's so many other matchups here. You got Finn Balor, Brock Lesnar. You got, you know, Roman Reigns, Brock Lesnar, you're probably not going to do. But Seth Brock works. You know, even Bray and Brock works a little bit better. Samoa Joe seems like just the weirdest matchup for Brock right now, but one that I'm all in on. And that might have been Vince McMahon's, you know, idea here is that he's the guy that nobody expects here. Or, you know, maybe they're into Samoa Joe right now and they're into kind of telling the story of him because... I think so far we're a week into the build and it's been awesome. I mean, he, you know, Samoa Joe as the badass is a guy that you can make a legit, you know, you know, from a kayfabe standpoint, he's a guy that looks like he could maybe actually beat you know, Brock Lesnar or whatever. He can maybe tap out Brock Lesnar. He's a guy that's got, you know, uh, some kicks and got some punches and got, you know, has some offense where he can maybe defeat Brock Lesnar. So I'm all in on this story and I'm all in on, on Samoa Joe being the number one contender. But yeah, it caught me completely by surprise. I would have never in a million years guessed Samoa Joe winning uh, you know, this fatal five way, but but I'm all in for it, and I'm uh, I'm excited to see what happens at at, at, at Great Balls of Fire. Of course, uh, Samoa Joe is not winning um, in any way, shape, or form. This match, Brock Lesnar, is of course retaining, but uh, I'm still looking forward to the match. I still think it's going to be incredible, and it's it's a big moment for Samoa Joe and WWE as well. Because if he delivers a great match with Brock Lesnar, a lot of good things can come uh, for him in the future. Yeah, weirdly, Samoa Joe was such the early favorite on uh, on the betting website. I believe it was Patty Power. That they took him off the board because so much money was coming in on him, which I, I found was so odd because I didn't think he would win. Yeah, no, no, nothing in the build really indicated that he was the guy, right? No, no, unless I, I missed something, but I, I he didn't seem like it at all. No, uh, Seth Rollins was my pick. It seemed I, just something they would do, but I'm it was a very pleasant surprise to see Joe, and I think we're off to a great start. I think you know I can't imagine this match not being anything but but pretty awesome, and hopefully. Hopefully, just kind of something, not not like Goldberg level short, but you know, kind of that maybe a, a ten minute just total bomb throwing sprint. I think would be fantastic. Yeah, and that's I think that's what you got to do with Brock Lesnar these days, and I think that's that's a good way to book uh, Samoa Joe. I think the template for Samoa Joe moving forward should be a guy that doesn't do you know forty minute back and forth or thirty minute back and forth matches. A guy that does you know. ECW task style things where he goes in there and and either he beats your ass in ten minutes or he loses in ten minutes, but at least you have a lot of stuff happening right at the beginning there with, with him in a really short. Um, compact matches with Samoa Joe, I think, is where he, he, he can deliver and he can be the best. Um, so that's it for WWE. Anything else in WWE land that you wanted to talk about? Uh, no, still uh, <coughs> two weeks to Money in the Bank, and then I think two weeks to Great Balls of Fire after that, and then I think it's Battleground, and then we're finally at uh, SummerSlam. So, Jesus, so kind of in the... Uh, How is you know, Money in the Bank in two weeks? Jesus Christ, I can't, I can't do this. I knew it was coming, but man, it's, it's, it's getting too much. Ladder matches, Rich, better get... Uh, I like, excited. I, I, hey, I like ladder matches. I like the Money in the Bank matches. Although the prospect of uh, Tamina and uh, Carmella in a ladder match uh, <laughs> has me a little worried. And when Natalia is like the third most athletic person in a match, uh, it's, I still I, really enjoy watching ladder matches. Although I will never rewatch one. Like Money in oh, the I'll Bank. Oh, I'll absolutely watch as, any any live ladder match ever against with anybody too. I've I've really like a bad. It, it's pizza. Pizza and ladder matches are the same. Even a bad ladder match is still eh, pretty good, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Like, even the worst ladder match you can think of was still solid. Like, well, actually, the worst one is probably that Scott Hall, like, was it Scott Hall and Goldberg in the Taser ladder match? Oh, uh, something like that. That yeah. one was fucking horrible. So, actually, never mind. Well. That one was really bad. I won't watch that one. But, uh, you know, hey, you throw a ladder in the match, me and Dave, me and Big Dave Meltzer. We'll, uh, oh, yeah. We'll throw at least a four-star minimum. <laughs> <laughs> That's your starting point, yeah. <laughs> right. And then everything else from there is just, uh, you, you work from there, so... 
Um, that's it for WWE. Uh, a few more topics here before we get out. Uh, before we do that, though, I do want to let everybody know that this episode of the Voices of Wrestling Flagship Podcast is also sponsored by our good friends at Dollar Shave Club. And guy, it's, guys, it's time to step up your routine with an incredible, game-changing shave from Dollar Shave Club. They have helped me look and feel my best without paying an arm and a leg, and they can do the same for you if you join the club with me. Dollar Shave Club delivers an amazing smooth shave. You get high-quality blades and an amazing shave butter delivered right to your door for an incredible smooth shave. You can upgrade both your shave and your bathroom with Dollar Shave Club. And with Father's Day right around the corner, what better gift is there to give than a membership to Dollar Shave Club? Joe, make sure your child is listening to this. Uh, I don't know if he's got a credit card or a job yet. I assume yes, but let him know that this is available and he can use our exclusive promo code, which I'll get to here in a little bit. But let your son know that for a limited time, new members get their first month of the Executive Razor with a tube of the Dr. Carver's Shea Butter for only $5 with free shipping. After that, your razors are just a few bucks per month. That's a $15 value for only 5 Bucks. In your first month box, you'll get a weighty handle, a full cassette of four executive cartridges, and a tube of that exclusive Dr. Carver's Shea Butter. You can get this offer right now by going to dollarshaveclub.com slash voices. That's dollarshaveclub.com slash voices. A great gift for Father's Day. Does uh, does that kid have a job of yours yet or no? Uh, no. <laughs> I can't get him to pick up his room. Jesus. How old is this kid by now? Come on. He's seven. And he doesn't have a job. Come on, like, does he have a credit? Like, how is he going to get you this Dollar Shave Club if he doesn't have a job? Well, he'll does he get an allowance? Uh, he's supposed to. I'm but if he doesn't clean up that room, he's not getting an allowance. Uh, right? there you go. That's right. <laughs> Damn right, stupid kid. All right. Anyway, let him know Dollar Shave Club. Not stupid kid. Smart kid because he's a potential customer for the lovely Dollar Shave Club and the Father's Day gift. So DollarShaveClub.com/slash/voices. Again, you get a weighty handle, a full cassette of Ford Executive cartridges, and a tube of Dr. Carver's Shea Butter for only five bucks with free shipping dollarshaveclub.com slash voices okay last two topics here we wanted to talk about um you had mentioned this to me of course this happened uh quite a while ago but you said you definitely wanted to talk about this flow slam price increase so for people that don't know uh flow slam tv of course the 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 streaming network of the wbn and and quite a few other independent uh network uh independent wrestling companies uh made a dramatic change to their pricing structure with the monthly subscription rate for the service going from 19.99 a month all the way to $29.99 a month, or you can pay a regular flat fee of $150 for a 12-month term. Uh, the flow end is justifying the cost increase by opening the borders between all of their affiliate streaming sites, and your monthly fee will gain you access to all the other affiliate streaming services as opposed to just the professional wrestling content. Joe, you had strong thoughts on this. What do you think about this flow sign price increase and the justification that Flow gave? I just thought it was so odd because they put out this big press release in April which I have right here, saying that a uh, company closed out its highest-performing quarter to date with 92% year-over-year growth in net subscription uh, net subscription cash, added uh, nearly 20,000 uh, subscribers per month, increased unique visitors 48% year-over-year, and grew a social media following to 2.2 million network-wide. So it's not like, you know, Flow Slam is, uh, is, is, uh, or Flow Sports is, uh, is any kind of, of bad shape. I just thought... Yeah, I I find it so interesting. Like they think, oh, we'll open it up, so it's 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 a good bargain. And you know, Rich, if I said to you, let's say you have NFL Sunday ticket or whatever, and mm-hmm. I say, Rich, we're gonna jack this up, the price up, but you're gonna get uh, you're gonna get the uh, the baseball, NBA, and NHL packages too. You would probably think, well, you know. Your average person would say, hey, "Well, that's not a bad deal because I get other things I enjoy." Yeah, if you're if you're an NFL fan, you're you're probably a fan of some other sport that you're getting involved in there, right? 
Yes, but a lot of what Flo does is so niche, like so niche. Well, I now we can watch Flo Rodeo. Are you kidding? Like, come on. Oh, my favorite is Flo Climbing. <laughs> what does Flo Climbing look like? I've watched never... people climb things. <laughs> are they uh, outside or are they inside? I, I guess it's like competitions. But huh, okay. I looked it up, and uh, and that's what I found. So, I mean, all of these are so niche that I can't imagine anyone, like, you know, if flow you're into, marching, like, flow marching? Yeah, flow yeah. marching. Are you... Chances you're into anything else. I just don't see how that's possible. Like, I'm sure, like, someone from Flow Climbing would look at, like, look at us and be like, wait, you're paying money to watch professional wrestling that isn't WWE that takes place in front of all these plants. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, you're yeah, like, you're that's right. fucking you're stupid. Right. You're right. You're right. There's, so, there's, a, there's a Flow fair, Climbing. Fair play there's here. A, there's fair. a Flow Climbing uh, podcast having the same discussion <laughs> we are right now. Like, <laughs> there is. The yeah. hell do I have to pay for this stupid fake wrestling crap? Like, god damn it. Like, yeah, I just find it so. Yeah, like no one's. If you're that hard into a niche, you're not going to be into any other, any other of these categories. I just can't see it. Are you really thinking like, oh man, I had to pay for both, you know, marching and climbing, but now I get both. <laughs> right. Thank God. I, I don't. It's just so interesting to me for something that was so heavily touted is now. What I think this does, I think as a yearly subscription, I think you're still like it's a hell of a bargain now. It's twelve fifty a month if you're willing to make that dive. But for people. Maybe you just want to try it out. I think that's going to scare a lot of people away. Yeah. A thirty dollars price tag. Like maybe you think, oh, I'm not into WWE right now. I'll try, you know, I'll try this out. You're probably not going to want to do that for thirty bucks. That's a pretty. I mean, you can get the WWE Network, New Japan World, and the High Spots Network, and still have like you know money for a cup of coffee afterwards compared to what you can get for one month of flow. Marching, not notwithstanding. Yeah, and, and that's I think that's going to be a big issue because I'm one of those people that jumps in and out of flow every single month, or I have done that. I don't know that I'm going to do that anymore because I've been one that, that will say, okay, you know, there's a really good Evolve weekend coming up. I'll, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm free this weekend. I'm going to get an opportunity to watch both these shows. Cool, I'll, I'll subscribe this month or whatever. And, and I guess flow, their standpoint is they're looking at it and going, okay, we don't want those people anymore. We want people that either say, hey, yeah, here's the yearly, just get, you know, pay for the year right now, whatever. Or I guess they just don't want because I think you're really and and you, you hit the nail on the head there. I think you're really gonna get a lot less of me of the people that just kind of jump in for a weekend and can justify twenty bucks, yeah, ten bucks a show, ten bucks a pop for Evolve weekend or whatever. And maybe I jump into the archives, maybe I watch some other things. But for the most part, I'm watching Evolve. I'm watching the, the big WWN stuff, and that's what most people are doing on the network too. And I think that's gonna be an issue as well because I think Flow Slam is losing sight of that a little bit of of what people how people are using the service a little bit. I don't know that that many people are are really pumped about you know spending the year and then going great now I can watch Pro Wrestling Revolution now I can watch you know uh, FIP I can watch you know IPW UK and I don't have to worry about paying anymore I can watch you know Pro Wrestling you know Revolver you know those sort of things that are Pro Wrestling Revolution I should say you know those sort of things are, are, are yeah it's 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 great to have those on there but I feel like most people and and Flo knows this too because they paid the most money for Revolve. They put in the most money for WWN. That's the standard bearer there. And for the way that Evolve runs shows, it works so much better for it just to be something that you can jump in every single month and pay for if it's a decent Evolve weekend or whatever. I know why they don't want that. I know that, that why that's not ideal for them. But I, you know, like you're saying, there's that press release that shows that, hey, there's this growth that it's that's good. That that might have been maybe the new model that they have to go through is, hey, hey, look, this is how people have used this service for the first six months. People have... A lot of people jump in on a weekend when Evolve's got particularly good stuff going on. So that's our model now. Now we say, hey, this weekend has a lot of really good stuff on Evolve. Jump in or whatever. Again, I know why they don't want to do that, but maybe what they want to do, maybe the model that they want isn't going to work. And I think 
doing this price increase and, and the way that they've done it and made it so dramatic with 10 extra dollars. I mean, that is very hard for someone to justify, particularly if you're someone like me who just wants to watch a weekend. I just want to watch, you know, the Evolve 86 and 87. That's all I want to watch. I don't want to watch the Beyond Wrestling show, maybe. I don't want to watch, you know, Pro Wrestling Revolution or whatever. I just want to watch the Evolve shows. They've now made it very hard for you to be one of those customers. And there's going to be a lot of people like me who then aren't one of their customers that then go, well, forget it. I don't care then. And that's not good. I think you want to do whatever you can if you're Flow. And if you're a, a, a company like Flow Slam who, who's not really adding a whole lot of content either. Like, let's be honest here. There's not an explosion of content. There's not a whole lot of things coming through the pipes in, in Flow Slam. So you basically have Evolve, and that's it now. Yeah, I mean, I, I was just in at you know, WrestleMania the, that month. I jumped in, you know, and it's a great deal then. But thirty bucks, I probably still do it because there's just so many shows. It's you know. No, for many a weekend, I'm I'm still gonna jump in for many a weekend for sure. Yeah. But what? Now, is there just a five? You know, for June twenty fourth, twenty fifth for Evolve, like that weekend? No, there's Beyond's going on there too. I'm just gonna get three shows, I guess. That's a good weekend. So I think maybe that's an outlier. But yeah, you look ahead at the schedule, like you know, August, the week of you know the month of let's say August first, you jump in there again. You got Style Battle, FIP, you know, ACW, and then August eleventh and twelfth, you have two Evolve shows. I don't know. Is that enough to say? Yeah, for August, I'm definitely locked in. Like, I don't know. Like, no, I, I would say no, no. It's it's not. I mean, I don't know what they can really add at this point. It just seems, you know, they they got evolve and they have a, a lot of smaller shows, which I'm sure are fine. But there's just so much content out there. I just don't know if they can add enough to make it really worthwhile yeah. on a regular basis. I mean, if you want to, if you just want to plunk down, you know, do a year. If you got, you want to take that plunge. For people that don't. I don't know if they could really do that to make people adding in worthwhile. And another issue, too, is because you talk about those small shows, and I think that's an important part to, to, to distinct as well, because, you know, what Flow Slam's really driving on is, is, is Evolve. Like, we know that. Everybody knows that. I mean, that's if you really wanted to watch, say you want to subscribe to a network and watch a lot of uh, the smaller indies, you're way into those smaller indies or whatever, Flow Slam doesn't really even have the best of that either. You have, you know, the emerging pile driver TV or whatever that's got a lot of really good, like, super underground. It's got some, you know, the grimy lucha stuff or whatever. So if, if that's your taste, you've got a, a network like that. Or you have the High Spots network, where if you're like, hey, I like, like, you know, random indies and that's what I really like to watch, you have those two networks, which are way more affordable and, and, and offer a little bit more in that sense, where Flow Slam's now in this weird spot where it's like, what are you guys? What are, what What wrestling fan are you trying to attract? Because really right now you're trying to attract Evolve fans and hoping that a few of these other fans jump in and get involved, but, you know, you raise that price tag and, and, and it's so much higher than it is for uh, those other networks that, like, yeah, it's hard to justify if you're um, if you're an indie wrestling fan that you're going to really want to... Because is there really a lot of indie, like, like deep indie wrestling here? Like, I don't know. It's a lot of gay promotions that aren't really great. And then there's, like, Pro Wrestling Revolution and ACW. Like... I don't know. Is that I, I really don't know that that's enough to get me in. Yeah, I believe it's powerbomb.tv. Oh, power, power. Sorry, not Piledriver. Yeah, powerbomb.tv. I, I apologize. Yes, break the barriers this weekend. You should. Uh, but yeah, like uh, there's just you know there's not even one central hub for a smaller independent. There's three. You can go to uh, Powerbomb or uh, High Spots or, or, or Flow, and uh, you know I think we had such you know pie in the sky hopes when this was announced, and it's just not being fulfilled. 
Yeah, and we saw that. We, we saw them, you know, as they one by one struck out on some big... Because we know that they were probably trying to get, like, a New Japan or whatever. And New Japan was like, oh, we're good. We got our own thing. We we know that they probably struck out with a few big things. Ring of Honor was probably a big one as well, that they were hoping that Ring of Honor would get involved. In, and they didn't. And then they've kind of had to regroup since then. And, and yeah, I understand, you know, a lot of the justification of maybe why they're raising the rates. And they could say that it's because now you get Flow Rodeo and, and Flow Climbing or whatever. But it's probably to offset some costs or whatever to try to, you know, get some money going here. But, yeah, you're, you're at a level where I don't know that you're necessarily going to add a ton of people in the next year because you think about your base and you, you think of the amount of people that are going to come in if, if nothing is really going to be added because a what do you add in the first place other than tell Gabe okay now make three more promotions or whatever like the guy can't make any more promotions he already made two for you you know uh, to try to it, it, but you're, you're at a level now where um you know what is that next thing what else comes how, how do you get new subscribers how do you grow your base all it's going to do, you're going to lose people at this point, right? Like, I don't know that you, any new people are going to jump on unless Evolve gets bigger and people start watching, you know, Evolve a little bit. But, you know, in, in a few weeks in The Observer, we had the, the rumblings that WWE wouldn't mind Evolve coming onto their network and, and, and would like to have them on, on WWE Network. And we know that's probably only a matter of time as well. So, you know, Gabe has a contract, of course, with Flow Slam, but who knows what's going to happen there if they buy him out or whatever. And then what becomes... So it, they're in a really weird spot here. And the, and the, the price increase came while a lot of the news about Gabe was coming around as well. So it's, it's there's definitely some weirdness there of, like, you, you know, what what's going on here? What's what's the future, really, of Flow Slam? Yeah, I mean, if it was involved, then I, that's probably... I, I can't imagine anyone really signing up for what's what's there besides Evolve. Outside yeah, and, of maybe a WrestleMania weekend. Yeah, and, and like you, you mentioned it a little bit again, but, like, I just don't understand what customer they're trying to go for because... If you look at your, if you're the hardcore indies customer, you got Powerbomb TV. You have, you know, High Spots Network. And if you're the hardcore indies guy, are you really, are you really on Flow Slam? I, I don't know that you are. Like, Evolve fans are on Flow Slam and they love it, but it's not really anything more than that. And the archives, you know, were promised to be a little bit better than they were, and now you're at a point where I was subscribed from day one because I was like, cool, I want to dig into the old Dragon Gate USA stuff. I mean, that, that's few and far between the stuff that they put out for Dragon Gate USA. So it's like, well, you know, what am I doing? What am I paying for here? I'm paying for Evolve Weekends. That's it. And now I'm not paying for that because I can't justify 30 bucks for an Evolve Weekend. No. Not 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 most weekends, though. So that's that's Flow Slam. I don't... Yeah. Uh, it's interesting. It'll be interesting to see what uh, what goes on. But yeah, the justification of now you get Flow Climbing. Like, all right, guys, you can you can miss us with that. Don't, uh, don't, don't sugarcoat it, but... <laughs> Yeah, your other thing. I, I, I'd be interested to see what's like. Yeah, what what members of Flow Cheer have to think about to Flow Slam? Like, yeah, they're like, Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> Flow Dance, like, not ballroom dance. You know, Flow Ballroom Dance, or whatever the hell isn't it? Flow Flow Dance is like ballroom dancing and stuff, right? I or is it like? I, I, I'm assuming that you have watched Flow Dance. I don't know why I assume that. No, I apologize, I, Joe, <laughs> but uh, you were the expert of Flow Dance. I don't know why I said that, but uh, no, I'm a Flow Rodeo guy myself. Yeah, I, I, you know, I won't lie. I jumped into Flow Hoops once. I was watching some sweet high school basketball once. So maybe, maybe I could do that now. So maybe the thirty uh, buck just uh, cost is now justified. I'll watch some some high school hoops, but uh, that's full slam. So we'll uh, we'll close out here with a talk, a uh, little discussion about uh, Kento Miyahara and Suji Ishikawa. This is from May twenty first, uh, All Japan. Show we talked about this two weeks ago when you you subbed for Joe Lanza before uh, about the title switch with uh, Suji Ishikawa defeating Kento Miyahara uh, to win the triple crown. Kento had the title for I think 400 plus days. I forgot the exact uh, number and I don't have it in front of me. Uh, we've now both had an opportunity to watch the match. So I'll ask you, what did you think of this match now that you finally saw it? Uh, I thought it was really good. Uh, probably not excellent. Probably I think you had made mention of it. It didn't really seem 
it seemed more like a, like a really good Champions Carnival main event than the end of one of the longer, I think the fifth longest title reign in the Triple Crown, which is, you know, as points prestigious a title as it gets, you know, the fifth longest version of that. It didn't didn't quite, you know, quite have that epic feel. Yeah, and I think I didn't, because I, a lot of people got on me, got on, me on, on Twitter about, you know, oh, well, geez, you know, I really like the match. And I was, I'm not saying I didn't like the match. I really enjoyed it, but... There was a certain gravity that I thought would come with Kento Miyahara finally losing the title. Like, it would take... You would have to just drag that title off the guy. I mean, you would have to just give everything that you had to beat him. And and, and Tsuchikawa, you know, got to that to an extent. Like, there was a flurry, you know, maybe with about five minutes to go, where Tsuchikawa just threw everything that he had at Kento. Kento kept kicking out and kept kicking out and kept kicking out. And the crowd got really involved in that part of, like, all right, cool. Like, this is really interesting. Like, Kento is, is taking Suji's best shot and he's kicking out or whatever. And you could sense the crowd kind of got this idea of, like, oh, well, this is another Kento win or whatever. And then Tsuchi just kind of puts him away. And then you get the pin and, and you get a little bit of the shocked factor where people are, are shocked. And I guess you do want I, – I, I think the shocked crowd reaction is fine. But I was thinking it would be more of the, oh, my God, Tsuchikawa just destroyed Kento Miyahara. And, and he is absolutely no doubt the next guy to beat this guy and the next guy to win this title. When I don't know that you necessarily had that. I think you had kind of a surprise win, a, a good win, but not necessarily the same thing that I would thought that Kento Miyahara – Finally, you know, losing would would sort of what would sort of happen and what that would feel like when Kento would be eventually lost. But I think there is something to be said, and, and a bunch of people, you know, on Twitter mentioned it as well. Watching it spoiled, you know, that flurry of, of kickouts from Kento Miyahara may have felt a lot more different if I didn't know that that eventually Suji was going to win. If I was like, oh geez, well, Kento's coming, Kento's coming back now, and and he's definitely going to win this match. Um, I, I I didn't feel that because I knew that it wasn't going to happen. I knew that that wasn't what was going to be the result. So that that's that always changes a little bit. If you watch it spoiled versus unspoiled, going in knowing the result, I can see that being a little bit different. Because I heard from some people who who um, who watched it unspoiled that it felt a little bit different to them, and they really enjoyed it. Because I did enjoy it as well, but I just thought the gravity of the moment was going to be a little bit bigger than it was. Because this, this is a big title loss in all Japan. Yeah. I mean that that's kept to me a hard to head that thing for. Ever, I'm trying. To, I'm actually going to look it up right now. Four sixty-four, Jeez. Okay, so do you know where that ranks in terms of uh, fifth all time? Just barely. yeah. I mean, that's like, come on, like that's huge. Yeah. And 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 him being more than that, him being the um, the guy to kind of grab them out of uh, the doldrums as well is like he's the guy. He's the guy that you can point to of like we gave the title to this guy. He had a run with it and got us back. You know, in 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 the mix in terms of Japanese promotions. You would think it would be just a little bit more, and and I don't know necessarily what I would do differently, but it just felt like something had to be a little bit bigger, just a little bit stronger at that end than it was, and that, that's my only complaint. So I'm glad that you had kind of the same thoughts as well, because I couldn't put my finger on what it was exactly. I just wanted a little bit more. Yeah, I was I was spoiled too, and it was. I mean, the match didn't air live; it's a very long tape delay is almost impossible to avoid spoilers. But I mean, wrestling is like a murder mystery, where it's always better if you don't know how it ends. Now, that being said, if the only thing it has going for it is you don't know the ending, then it's not much of a match. And this clearly was a very good match that, that you should watch, but I, we probably did lose something knowing the ending. And I'm just... Uh, I just remember, uh, you know, the longest Triple Crown reign was, uh, I believe Misawa's first. He held it 700-something days. Yeah, 705, I'm looking at 705, right he lost incredible. to Steve Williams yeah. in a match. I'm just, I think that would be a curious comparison of how that match... I know that these are different eras, but I think that was like a half-hour match with Steve Williams... I think it got like four and three quarter stars from the from the observer. How that 
was worked compared to how this one was worked and, and the comparisons you could make. That's interesting. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back and I'm definitely going to watch July 28th, 1994 versus Steve Williams. So we'll have to definitely check that one out and see uh, uh, what that felt like. Because, yeah, I'd be interested to see if that is uh, uh, a little bit different in terms of other you know super long title reigns. Uh, you have Kawada, who won it in 2003. Let me see when he eventually lost it. He had it for like 500 and... Uh, yeah. 502 I lost my place here. Yeah, I 529 so. days oh he lost it to Kojima uh, who yeah. held it for 502 days Jesus Christ God like. yeah those are two very I mean Kawada could never really hold on to the belt so I remember that being very rewarding see him have that long title reign because he you know sometimes he would lose it and have to give it like when you won in 99 he had to give it up a week later mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think he broke his uh, uh, forearm maybe or he, he broke a bone and, and couldn't hold on to it and that was very rewarding to hold on to uh, see him hold on to a belt that long and then Kojima too having that, that yeah, yeah. epic song. What, what, what's cool too I guess and, and this will help us a little bit as well is that uh, Misawa and um, uh, what, so Miyahara had one additional defense so Misawa that long we were talking about he had only seven successful yeah, defenses like, yeah. in those 705 so somewhat similar amount of you know obviously you have a l- little bit longer in terms of the length but similar amount of uh, defenses so yeah it'll be super interesting I'm definitely going to watch that because I don't recall that match I don't remember if I've seen it in quite a while uh, that Masao Steve Williams match. So I'm definitely gonna watch it and see if it if it gives me that feeling that I was missing uh, with this uh, you know with this Miyahara match. So I'll definitely check that out. Yeah, that that match comes off. Uh, I think the the six three ninety four match with Kawada, which you know a good amount of people consider the best match ever. So uh, there's probably some interesting backstory in there. If you if you can if you know a match by the date, then you know that's yeah. It's it's start. also probably never a bad idea on any given day to just plop in random all Japan like random yeah. 90s all Japan like you're pretty much gonna be okay like pick a pick two dudes pick a date and pick a year in the 90s and you're probably gonna be okay like yeah you'll you'll have a good half hour so. <laughs> right there's like 10 names you can choose from in any combination of those 10 names and it, it happening in the 90s you're probably okay so uh yeah so that's that's it any other thoughts on this uh, Miyahara Suji Ichikawa uh no just a uh, I just wanted to make a note all Japan themselves have a fairly big show this Sunday running at noon at Korokan they have uh Ishikawa's first title defense against Jake Lee. Also, Suwama Kento Mihara singles match underneath in a uh, tag title match is Kengo Mishima and Kai taking on Zeus and the Bodyguard. So you think uh, Jake Lee's going to win it here, finally? Uh, Suji is just a transitional champion to get it to Jake Lee? I'm going to lean towards new. Okay. Also, uh, worth okay. noting, okay. the Osama uh, Nishimura <laughs> defending the Bang TV World Heavyweight Championship, whatever the el- that is. <laughs> the elusive Bang TV. Because they have the Kaiora TV title, so I don't know. Yeah, what if the they hell need... is that? I don't know if I know what that is. I don't. Yeah, it's he's in match two, taking on uh, Rikia Fudo. Jeez. <laughs> so I, I don't know if you need two TV titles in one federation. Well, I don't even know if they do they have TV. <laughs> yeah, I, think I was going to say. Unfortunately, their Gaora TV uh, one was horrible because this match, as you mentioned, like didn't air until you know three weeks after or whatever. You know, you know, forever for this match to air. So yeah, yeah, it's a. Uh... Old TV there, but yeah, that's that's pretty um, pretty fun match. Definitely one I think people should check out because it was a, a big moment. But uh, uh, yeah, I'm very interested in seeing that Masawa Steve Williams match to see how it kind of compared a little bit. And uh, one of the fun uh, noon Cork and Hall matches, which is people always wonder too, like, oh, why are they booking the show at noon? Like Cork and Hall runs a ton of shows or whatever, you know, per day. And a lot of times, like, there's only certain times that you can jump into a schedule, and it's you know sometimes cheaper, and sometimes it's kind of interesting. They get pretty decent crowds for like these afternoon shows or these these weird like sometimes you'll see like these 9 a.m. weekday shows. You're like, who the hell is going to that? Like, and then there's like 500, 700 people. You're like, all right, well somebody is. Like, I don't know who, but like it's just amazing. Like, you could just run a show in Kirk and like 500 people just minimum are going to show up. Like, pretty good. Day. Yeah, I think 
yeah, you could watch. You could go to that live and then go home and watch uh, New Japan on uh, New Japan World and have a day of it. Cause that's oh, that's right. Yeah, that is back, to back. Nice. Yeah. Okay. That's perfect. So. I mean, we there. probably won't see this show till uh, I don't know August. So yeah, we get that. Excited. We shouldn't get too excited, but uh, yeah, that's uh, that's pretty interesting there. Uh, Joe, anything else on your mind before we take off? Um, no, just uh, I finally watched the uh, Noah Tag League finals of um, Marafuji and uh, Maybach taking on um, it was a uh, Toge and Goshiyazaki. That's a very good match, very good ta- long Noah Tag match, but it doesn't drag the way some kind of Big Noah singles matches can. I thought, like, a really strong performance from uh, Maybach of all people. And uh, that's one I would check out. And I know, um, yeah, there's a lot of good I have a, uh, a Billy King Kid versus Hub match, I think, that goes like, I found on Rootube. It goes like 40 something minutes. Oh, God. I'm like, uh, should I watch this? Because um, that's a. You should, but right now, time. so we're, we're ending this should. podcast at what, like 11.45 your time? Yeah. Now's the time to jump into that match. Yeah, we'll like, hit pause. I'll start watching. I'm like, right, like, get the I lights the down the, and, like. Yeah. You know, I saw the link of the drink, file. I'm like, oh, there's some talking or some ceremony afterwards. No, apparently it's just all match. Like, God. it goes right to the very end before it cuts off. Jesus ball. Christ, yeah. Does that have, like, horrible the, audio quality, too? I'm sure it does. That's my favorite uh, part Yeah, I, like, the announcers are in one headphone. When yes, I perfect. The, uh, That's what I love the about The crowd's like, in the other. Yeah, so. exactly. It's just like, it just sounds like everyone's talking through PVC pipes while you're watching these dudes grapple each other for 40 minutes. Like, Nothing beats that. So, yeah, I want you, when you're done with this, this is your homework, is immediately when you're done with this, don't go to bed, don't go to sleep, watch that match, and uh, pour yourself a drink, turn on the lights off, and, and get grimy. Get some grimy uh, uh, indie puro in your, in your mind. So, uh, Joe, before we let you go, do you want to let people know where they can follow your musings and uh, where they can follow some of your other work? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Joe Gagne, G-A-G-N-E, for pithy comments on pro wrestling. Uh, <laughs> pithy indeed. They are quite pithy, I will say. Thank you. Thank you. Uh Joe vs. World's still out there. Uh, Maybe to make a command decision and just finally buckle down. I may just not watch. I try to watch everything when I do these these year in review shows, and that's just not that's not not possible these days with so much content to try to keep up with and all that. Even stuff I like just feels like work. So I may just kind of dive in and just do my best to recap. It may not be perfect, but at least uh, those will get out. Also, the the Fire Pro Returns episode of Joe vs. World is coming. That's pretty nice. much all written. Yep. I just have to record it. And uh, perhaps, uh, perhaps, well, I mean, there will be some stuff on uh, if we can free Mister Lanza for uh, for an episode. We'll uh, be <laughs> a, a project. Coming yeah, up. maybe maybe we have to re- uh, redo what uh, the first uh, episode of said project because yeah, I don't mm, know if, uh, if Mister uh, Lance is going to be available at any point. Uh, he can spare some time. I'm I, sure I agree. Tell him to tell the boss to go fuck. Yeah, he, I the think red... he's his own boss. Like tell himself to go fuck. Yeah. You know? <laughs> He, he probably does. The Reds can wait a day. He can exactly the Reds right. He's watching Scooter Jeanette hitting four runs, runs, but he can't come here and talk to me about you know uh, the you know the, the graphs. So it's, it's bullshit. But uh, anyway, Joe, we uh, appreciate you coming on here and, and and helping us out here a little bit and filling in for Joe, filling in the Joe role. Uh, I want everybody to know that again, this episode was sponsored by Dollar Shave Club. We'll go to Dollar Shave Club dot com slash voices to get a great deal on there and also our good friends at ZipRecruiter you go to voice uh, ZipRecruiter.com slash V-O-W that's ZipRecruiter.com slash V-O-W to try it for free and Dollar Shave Club you get a weighty handle cassette of four executive uh, cartridges and a tub of the Dr. Carver Shea Butter for only five bucks with free shipping go to Dollar Shave Club dot com slash voices we thank them very much for sponsoring this week and for joe gagney i'm rich Krejci, and we'll see you next time on the voices of wrestling podcast take care